Welcome, everybody, back to Two Beers, Please. My name is Matthew Smith. I'm joined with my wonderful friend, Yannick Encarnacion. I'm getting to take the reins today. I'm giving him a little bit of a break. Uh, And I just wanted to talk more. I demanded demanded more. I was going to say demanded more FaceTime, but that's not really the same. We are looking at each other. Yeah, we are. That's fair. I demanded more uh, voice time. With the contracts, we talked to our agents, and and here I am. Uh, big week in sports, Jan. It's all. I mean, now it's all in full. Like last week was like the okay, everything's back, and now it's it's in full blow. We had our first major NFL playoffs are getting underway. Soccer cups being won and progressing, um, and one of the uh, the biggest fights in UFC history coming up this Saturday. Ooh. And uh, and exciting news for our show, Yannick. We've worked we've worked really hard for this. Um, and it's a real joy. We, we've got our first company giving us an ad. It's a stellar company. Um, and as we all know, you, you know, basically every movie, TV show, internet meme, GIF, GIF, video, it's right at your fingertips. But sometimes convenience, guys, is just not what we're looking for. And so, and that's the case, come on down to Blockbuster, uh, where you can rent great films like Three Men and a Baby, Top Gun, and the third season of Dallas. And don't forget to pick up some stale Mike and Ikes or microwavable popcorn that you can literally get anywhere. Uh, Blockbuster, bring the good times home. So uh, we want to thank Blockbuster for supporting the show. It's a, an exciting step forward for you and me, Jan. I I'm very excited. I just have a feeling that our our partnership's going to go for years to come. I just can't <laughs> see. I can't see any end in sight. They're only going to grow. Right. I mean, the only company that I can see surpassing them you know, is movie pass, but <laughs> family, video. I, family video, there's still a family video open near my parents' place here in Des Moines, like down the street. And I'm just like, how are you holding on? There's a family video where my buddy, my college buddy works, uh, in Bettendorf too. Like good for them. Only in Iowa, only in yeah. Iowa with the family there, videos. Isn't there like, there is like one blockbuster that's still open, like in like Oregon or something, something like that. And now it's sure. like, now it's like a big, uh, Tourist attracting, you go to the Oregon, yeah. the one blockbuster. Hey, um, whatever keeps them open. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like we said, sports are back, back full blow. Uh, Yannick's in a happier mood because the Bruins just pulled it out in overtime. We got a quarterfinals Champions League game on both of our TVs. Thank you to uh, Yannick and Fubo TV. Uh, dropped our first cocktail hour this week. We went down memory lane. A little foggy yeah, memory did. lane, but uh, we talked about some of our favorite bars in Iowa City. Give it a listen if you haven't let if you haven't yet, um, and let us know your favorite Iowa City bars. Or um, if you're not an Iowa person, let us know where you went to in college and share some of your uh, foggy college bar memories. Right, exactly. Now, ju- be careful because we don't want to be like. We don't want to know too much, you know, yeah. like I don't, I don't, don't sell me anything that I have to take to my for real. Yeah, for sure. Like, don't tell me this is where I hid the body or anything like that. <laughs> I don't need to know that. I don't want to know that. I'm not a priest. I'll go to the police immediately. I really will. Keep so. it, keep it PG 13. I was talking to one of my friends who from Iowa and he was like, ah, oh, dude, I can't wait to take a listen. And I was like, yeah, we tried to keep it as, you know, PG 13 as possible. So we did. I think we, did. I was editing it and I think I we did great. Yeah. I was I was so scared. I was like, we're gonna have to trash this because I'm sure we said something bad. Something's uh, gonna just like accidentally squeak out. Oh boy. Yeah, but no, apparently we have self-control. That's such uh, an honor. It's rare and, for me. 
Yeah, really, honestly. I certainly, rare- didn't, I certainly didn't have self-control at the said bars we talked about. Right. It's like <laughs> we can talk about those times now where because we have the self-control that we didn't have back then. Right. And you learn I'd, through experience. Right. I, I'm, I'm kind of on the thought that I would rather look back and say, wow, I have no self-control back then then be like, wow, I used to have so much more self-control. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, we're moving in the right direction, and I think that's what we need to focus on. Progress, not perfection. Exactly. We're only yeah. human, yeah. and that's just what we have to believe. Matt, I don't know if you feel this way, but I have been both, like, sports-wise and non-sports-wise, I have been over flooded with information in the last 24 hours yeah like, so much that i've had to take in somewhat with, fatigued i'm i i had i was so productive in the morning yesterday and then the afternoon came with the decision by the ncaa kamala harris is the vp nomination for the democrat i mean i just i couldn't take it i yeah. was literally and then i ended up was like let me just watch a hockey game really quick and cool off and then that hockey game lasted <laughs> six hours <laughs> And then they went to five overtimes. Truthfully, I don't know how any of those people were standing. The game started at three and there were people skating until nine. And I think I would have just chopped off my legs afterwards. Yeah. I like at that point, I just be like, all right, like skates. I hope you can just like take my body weight. And because I'm not, I'm not putting any effort into this. They They literally almost played. I mean, they played like two and a half full games. That's absurd yeah and they're already and playing like pretty like quickly turnarounds and stuff i mean i guess uh the other team only had i can't remember no, i can't even remember the two the two oh, lightning i guess the lightning only had like three games but the blue jackets just had a five game series with the maple leaves like yeah good on you columbus sorry yeah. i lost yeah and honestly we'll talk more about this later but I, I think that game might have sealed it for them, though, already. I don't know how they're going to recover in time to make it a series against a good team like the Lightning. It's going to be really, really hard. I remember even when um, – and obviously not the same sport, so it's hard to compare. But I remember in the World Series that the Red Sox won when the Yankees and the Red Sox went to like 17 innings, and it completely screwed the Yankees in terms of pitching. Like they lost because they couldn't turn their pitching around fast enough yeah. afterwards. And it's true. It's just a lot of fatigue. And I mean, what you can say about hockey is like, at least games are getting post, like, you know, pushed forward and postponed for the right reasons, you know, not because baseball doesn't have their shit together or stuff like that. <laughs> not, be- not because, you know, Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger just needed to go out and, and, and come on, honestly, that interview with the pitcher that took over for Clevenger because he got benched. I, I've never felt so like I watched him talk and I was just like, this dude gets it. He's like, yeah. they're grown ass men. I'm not going to sit here and defend you. Like they got to figure their own shit out and how they're going to win your trust back. Not my problem. We're disappointed in them. And I was like, yes, I loved it. Yes. There's, yes. A, time, there's a time to like stand by your teammates and, and such and such. But like, I think that was the great opportunity to be. And that's not like he even threw them under the bus. They threw themselves under the bus. He oh, was just like, he was just like, no, nah, these guys, they they screwed up 100%. 100%. Like, what well, else is there to say? Right. And especially 
And I mean, it's not their fault that they're pitchers, but you think about it. What if something had happened to that pitcher because he wasn't warmed up enough? Like, what if he like tore something? Cause that happens with pitchers. They need to be ready. Like truthfully, they need to warm up. That's why they only pitch every so often. And if this pitcher had gotten any major like fatigue injury because of everything, that would have, I mean, that would have been on their conscience forever if they well, end they, up with I mean, they still got to like quarantine for a bit, don't they? Yeah, like 14 for in days. The sense of like, so even like just the sense of like you lose like two pitchers in your rotation or out of your bullpen or like such and such, like that's going to that's gonna put more fatigue on, on your other pitchers. It's going to put your team like – at a bigger opportunity to lose games and, and put people to injury. Like there's still going to be implications from them doing it that will, you know, probably hurt Cleveland. Yeah. Um, they're going to end up being like the Red Sox with like one good arm and a bunch of bullpen guys that come <laughs> in. All right. Is this guy going to score? Come on. Oh, wow. Terrible decision again. We're sorry. We're watching PSG Atalanta. We'll talk about who I think is going to win this game, but man, Neymar is just showing that he just is paid too much money. I think I, I thought that was an okay pass. I thought it was on. Is that a Cardi who was in the middle? I thought he could. I thought he should have kept. Well, I mean, it wasn't a great pass, but I still didn't like what he was. I, he should have kept running. I think Neymar looked up though. I think he figured that he wasn't going to make that pass. I I don't know. I think he's got such flashes of brilliance, but he's just for he how much. Make- I mean, he's certainly not worth the money. Like the guy is just like not consistent enough. There there's certainly times where you're like, damn, Neymar, Neymar you're really good at soccer. And then there's other times where it's like, how are you, how are you in the same? I mean, for how many years was it like Neymar? He's the next Ronaldo, Messi, and Ronaldo, and like, no, he's not. Or he, they were saying he's just as good as them. Like, yeah, it should be like the three in the of same them. breath. And, and like, that's, no. that's not true. Yeah, not a yeah. Doubt. I mean, I, he's still young, but we'll see. But how many years do you get to keep saying, "Well, they're still young. They're still young. They're still," you know, eventually. As you keep giving the they're still young excuse, you realize they're not that young anymore. Um, but he's – I mean, I agree. I think he's got he's got some time to uh, to figure it out. Well, I don't have to ask how you're feeling, Jan, but uh, I will ask, what are you drinking today? Um, I am drinking – so the last episode that we uh, had where I drank beer anyway um, – I drank that trail haze, that nice trail haze. Uh, ah, yes. And because I'm Real poor, nice. I am drinking another trail haze to, <laughs> to be economical with my beer drinking. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. You should never buy beer when you have beer. Yeah, that's should, true. That's such a true statement. People who like buy more beer, I'm like, finish the beer that yeah. you have. I get like, I get if you buy like different liquor or like wine every night now and then of course like there, there is you know more variation to the i mean if you want some rum and all you got is vodka you know i get it but like beer wise i'm like you can't really want that different kind of beer that much more can you right unless it's like a super specific like you're drinking with your buddy and he hates fucking bud light and that's all you have Honestly, still then, I'm telling him to yeah, suck it up. Still, yeah, I'm telling him to suck it up. I, yeah. hate, I hate Miller Lite, but if all you have is Miller Lite, I'm I'm going to drink Miller Lite. I hate Michelob Ultra. Oh, me too. Drink. I hate Michelob Ultra. I can't drink Michelob Ultra. It it just... It's water. It's water, and, and it's disgusting water. It's like water that's coming from 
you know, pipes that you know are tarnished. Not good. The thing too about Michelob Ultra is like, like I don't care if people, you know, like crappy beer, crappy. Like we all got the crappy beer we like. Like out of the crappy beers, I like to drink Coors Light. But like sure. people that drink Michelob Ultra, like act like it's some like delicious, like terrific beer. And I'm like, no, it's still just a crappy beer. Right. People like mention it in the same breath as like a Stella, and I'm like, it's not the same fucking no, thing. Like a Stella actually. Beer. Yeah. Chill. Yeah, it's not crap. This isn't craft beer, mom. <laughs> Come on. Truthfully, though, I feel the same way. I'm just not picky about beer, but so when I'm saying a beer is bad, right? It's because it's bad. Yeah, like it's just not I, a good. Beer. I would down Natty Lights in college playing Mario Kart, and so yeah, fucking awful, fucking awful. Um, it is. I do want to say, you mentioned it before. Mentioned it again. The Bruins are back, baby! The Bruins are back, baby! <laughs> That's what I'll say. That's all I have to say. <laughs> you acted like you acted like they just like swept the Hurricanes instead of they might have a dude with those. He's got a double overtime win. Hey, I'll take you it. Like I'll, confidence. I'll take it. Honestly, the, we had three losses in the round, the round robin, and I didn't think we were going to win a single game. I was scared we were just going to completely you know, crap ourselves out of the first round. Yeah. But that win is important, and I think it was good. So Those, uh, I mean, I'm sure you'll get into it later, but those, like, the West, and then you talked about before, like, the West disparity between the East. Those first round games in the Eastern Conference of the NHL is, like, almost all of them are, like, it's kind of anybody's game. Right. There's one, there's one series that I think is up in the air, and everything else is kind of, is kind of, like, I'd, well, I'll talk about it later, but yeah, yeah. Every, every single one is good, and we're just going to get some random team out of the East. Like, who knows, honestly? For who sure. Knows? Which is kind of always the case in NHL, but it's even more, it's heightened even more. Well, I'm uh, I'm sipping on a little beatnik sour from Exile Brewing Company here in yes. I love Exile. My Actually, a, a guy that my brother graduated from high school with, uh, RJ Tercy, of the uh, wonderful Tercy family. They also own... Uh, Latin King down here in Des Moines. If you're ever in Des Moines and you want like the best Italian food that you can find, go to Latin King. Um, but Exile, another great restaurant, great beer. I love sours. Sours are kind of like my low key. I, I know I've said before, Guinness is my favorite beer. Blue Moon's my other like go to draft, but like I love sours and, and Gose beers are my, they're just good. Matt, you're, you're, you're good. You're going to anger our viewers or our listeners. You're just you're just lying every fucking time. And they're you're just, just going to be confused. They're going to be confused. That makes no sense. You say your favorite beer is like a stout, but then you love sours. And it, to be fair, it, it doesn't make any sense. I got it. And that's Matthew for you. Yeah. I'm a, <laughs> a conglomeration of a lot of different tastes and interests. And I guess my beer uh, tastes <laughs> reflect that as well. All right, Jan. Uh, question of the day to get us going. And I kind of, after I like thought about it too, I was like, this is kind of like an obvious answer. Um, but who has been the most impressive team down in Orlando in the NBA bubble? The most impressive team down in the NBA bubble. Man, I, I don't think it's such a clear answer. Um, like, I don't think it's black and white necessarily. Uh, I think it's an easy answer to like decide, especially with last night's performance. Um, I mean, I've been impressed by the Portland Trailblazers. 
I've been impressed by the Portland Trailblazers very, very much. Uh, I know that they're only hunting for that eight seed, and it seems like, you know, how can the eight seed be the impressive team? But most of the teams in the West came pretty locked in to make the playoffs, and the Trailblazers played their way, forced their way into that eight seed. And, I mean, Dame Dahl is looking great as ever, and I... I would not want to be the Lakers right now. I would not want to be the Lakers playing them in the first round. Do I think the Lakers will find their groove? Yes. Do I think that they'll find it fast enough to avoid a game seven with Damian Lillard? I don't I don't know. I don't think so. So I think it's going to be a kind of hard. I think it's going to be hard for them. I don't think that they're not going to be the favorites. I think the Lakers are still obviously the favorites, but I, w- I just wouldn't want to... Oh! My boy, that's right. I'm so sorry. Atalanta in the lead against PSG. That's what we like to see. The best thing about these updates is that by the time we post this store, this online, the game is already over. Right. So maybe I'm saying that and Atalanta actually gets like beat out seven to one. Yeah. No idea. But for now, it's one zero. Yeah. Who do you think is the most impressive team? Phoenix Suns. Oh, okay. Okay, fair. Next I, I mean, yeah. but I think I think I mean I think your your point is certainly made because I think like there are there are a, a few options. Um, but yeah, for me it's the Suns. I mean, undefeated down there. They've played good teams. Uh and I think too, like with the Suns, like I think it would have been easy for like especially those teams in the Western Conference that are like kind of on the outskirts to kind of like not really bring bring it all like kind of just be like man we're not gonna like the wizards certainly never showed up in orlando uh and they didn't have bradley beal and obviously i don't have john wall and everything so there's a few other factors in that but like the suns have absolutely brought it and i did not see that coming um like i i thought i thought the the race for the playoff and that kind of like at last eight seed was probably going to be uh blazers grizzlies spurs maybe pelicans I I didn't give the Suns a shot in the world. And now I kind of think the Suns are probably the favorite to get in that playing game with the Blazers. Um, I I absolutely agree. And I I think in that one, I'm still taking the Blazers because I I don't know if Damian Lillard is going to let them not make the playoffs. But I've been tremendously impressed by by the Suns. And uh, they need it. Like, I mean, I hope for them it kind of – goes over to crosses over to next year for him because Devin Booker's way too good to be just like sitting in the desert, not doing anything. So yeah. Uh, if I was going to give a number two, I'd probably go Raptors just cause like they've had so many good role players that are been stepping up. That's fair. No, all good teams. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know how much longer, like if the Suns go to the playoffs, if they, beat out the Blazers for the number eight seed. They're not challenging the Lakers. They're not challenging the Lakers. And I think they would need to challenge the Lakers for there to be any real change going into next season. Because you're still at the end of the day, like, great, you made the playoffs. But at the end of the day, like, I don't know how much longer Devin Booker is in Phoenix. You know, I think he's too good to be out there. There's enough teams that need to rebuild anyway that will take him. I mean, I'm looking at like 
the Oklahoma City Thunder who are having a great season, but like still need rebuilding. Like they just have a bunch of young guys that are performing really well right now. But I'm looking at like a team like that to snap him up as soon as possible. Just trade away like 18 players and just get him. Yeah. And I just well, I don't. Mean, th- and as soon talking, as a team- if you're talking like big three too, like even a team like the Nets to add to, to add to Kyrie and Durant, like somebody in the East trying to come and like trade for him or something like that. I mean, he's. I mean, obviously the Suns lost when uh, he dropped 70 points against the Celtics, but he dropped 70 points. Right. That's insane. I like, I, right. It doesn't matter really much if, I mean, it matters if you win or lose, but as far as the impressiveness of the accomplishment, like that's the guy gets buckets. That shot over Kawhi and Paul George is like easily the shot of, of the bubble. But yeah, I, I hope they can, they can, uh, you know, carry it over, but we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, I mean, maybe the quick turnaround in like the season starting like uh, more recently after the end of this season, as opposed to normal seasons where there's more in months off, maybe that'll help them carry it over. But they still, they still have a ways to go, I think, before their Western Conference, you know, threats. But right. Yeah, I agree. I think that, um, yeah, I just think. It needs to happen in the next two seasons if Devin Booker is going to going to stay. I just For think sure. it needs to happen in the next two seasons, and I don't know if it will. But it could. You never know. You see teams sucking one year and all of a sudden competing the next. I mean, who thought that the Oklahoma City Thunder would be where they are right now? Absolutely. You know, you never know. And I have been impressed with the Suns. And, yeah, just good teams everywhere in the NBA. So I'm excited for the playoffs. It's a great time to be an NBA fan. There's so many fun Perfect. teams to watch. Like, yeah, it is. Like when we're talking about like the, te- I think technically the Suns are like the 10th seed, and we're like, yo, the Suns are kind of like must watch basketball right now. Like that's kind of insane. Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. And um, and we haven't even seen the best from the top seeds. I don't think we've seen the best from the Bucks. Great. I don't think we've seen the best from the Clippers or the Lakers. I mean. They're only going to get better. So these playoff games are really going to be just a delight to watch. I think we have a lot of game sevens in these series. I I don't know about upsets necessarily, but I can see a lot of game sevens, like what we're seeing with the NHL. I yeah. you know, like I see some overtime, a lot of overtime. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, um, Candace Parker also made a, a really good point the other night on TNT where she was saying, you know, most of the time in the playoffs, you your bench players, your role players, they show up in your home games and like a team looks completely different in the home games. That's not like a factor here. So it's going to be interesting to see if that means like more benches are going to show up and play well, if maybe they don't ever like reach as good as they they ever like would if they were playing at home. Um, so I had, I hadn't thought about that much and I, I think that'll be an interesting to see which, which role players for which teams really do show out because I mean, even when the Warriors were on their run with like their great teams, that your bench and your role players help lead you to a championship no matter what. Absolutely. Sean Livingston. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Also. Yeah. I I think it's going to depend on the bench and, and it always does in a way like it always does for sure. But yeah, it's going to be really exciting and I am looking forward to it so much to watch. We can only be grateful that we have the time to watch it. And 
you guys are going to be hearing about us talk about sports like for a year and a half straight because sports isn't ending. It's we just starting no back time. up. There's no, no downtime. Down and you know what, Matt? Darn it. <laughs> I love it. I know. I love it. I love it. I just give me more of it, honestly. Now I'm like, now too, I just like give my, like an excuse of, I did the same thing when I watched the last World Cup because I did like a little blog for it just for fun. And like now I'm like, well, I have to watch the game because I have to be educated on talking about it. So now it's just an even better excuse to be like, well, guess I'll just spend my day all day watching sports. Right. The way that I kind of deal with it is like, I like to be productive in this time, you know, especially creatively and all of that. And my problem is I have a really bad focus issue that I need to deal with, you know, for sure. It's not like a good thing, <laughs> but the way that I've been dealing with it is I always put on the TV. Like that's, it, it calms me down to have something else on. Yeah. And it's actually helped with sports, right? Because usually I watch like Netflix or something and I get completely distracted or I don't watch what I'm actually watching. And all of a sudden I've like completely missed an entire season of something I actually wanted to watch. Oh dude. And when it, Amen. Right. And now it's like I literally just look the day before on what sports are on TV that I have access to. And that's what I'm watching from one to 12. That's I just have it on. Yeah. And like, who cares if I see it most of the time? Because I, you know, it's game one of seven. So it's like I can just look for the goals. And if it's like a super important, then obviously like I'll watch like the Bruins game. I wasn't doing anything. I was watching. But yeah. Yeah. And you Friday. Wait till, you wait till the, you know third period, fourth quarter, you know, what have you, when it's like, all right, it's crunch time. Like now I'm going to zone in and watch, but like, it is easy to watch and not like have to watch the whole, the whole thing. For sure. And then on Sundays, I watch the end of every golf tournament and catch the fun parts. So Amen. It's great. Everyone's happy. Everyone's happy. Well, we weren't even really going to talk that much NBA today, but uh, luckily we still did. I still forced it. I still forced it on. I you did. I didn't even force it on. We just we had to. It just naturally it naturally happened. It was so organic. It it's was so organic. Wow, wow. You guys, we're so good at this. We're so great at this. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> what a pleasure you have listening to us. All righty. Well, we talked NBA. Now let's get into uh, some of the other big sporting news of the last week and weekend, some of the other big events that are coming up. We're going to start in the land of golf, the first major of the year, and Mr. Colin, 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 <laughs> Colin Kawa. You'd think out of the two names that he had, I would have Colin would be the easier one for me. Apparently not. Uh, but Colin Morikawa takes home the PGA Championship, the 23-year-old. His first uh, major win, his third win on the PGA. Uh, he joins Rory McIlroy, Jack Nicklaus, and Tiger Woods, not bad company, as the only 23-year-olds to ever win a major. Uh, his first two rounds, he went one under each round. But even, you know, me and you were talking about this during the cocktail hour. Golf is all, like, I mean, you have to be consistent those first two days. But when it's when it's the weekend, that's when you got to show up. Was five under on Saturday to push him to seven under overall, and then on Sunday saved his best for last. Went six under, finished thirteen under to uh, have a two-stroke win. Um, two guys were at minor, or, uh, eleven under. Five players were at ten under. 
that bet those last like four holes, it kind of looked like I was like, oh, there's definitely going to be a playoff. There's definitely going to be some sort of, you know, or or maybe just one lucky last hole birdie that, that gets it done. But uh, 16th hole, Morikawa steps up and delivers arguably one of the greatest drives in major history. Absolutely toasts it, puts it seven feet from the hole, nails the uh, the eagle putt on the par four to give him a two-shot lead. I remember even watching, like, Paul Casey was on the hole in front of him, and, like, Casey turned his head and saw the the drive and had it land seven feet, and you could tell Paul Casey was just like, God damn it. Like, are you kidding me? Um, I, I think, like, the best shot I've seen in a major since Mickelson – 13th hole at the Masters in 2010 when he was just like covered in the pines. Basically had to swing like into the tree and put that one three feet from the hole to get an eagle on a, on a par five. Uh, and he went on to win that that tournament as well. Just just absolute – the cojones on Mr. Morikawa were, were very impressive. And I remember about a month ago, I, I was going to talk Colin Morikawa up. I like became a massive fan of his – after his uh, playoff win over Justin Thomas at the Workday Charity Open. Like, I was so pumped to talk about this this young player. Um, and he came and he showed up this weekend in San Francisco. It's his, his first major, as I said, his third win on the tour, 23 years old. It's going to be fun to, to see him chase some more some more uh, victories on the tour. And uh, we'll see how many majors he's, he's able to pull. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a heck of a performance by him. It definitely was, and especially with such a crowded field, to keep your composure as a 23-year-old and know that yeah. you know, it's just about your game performing that you need to. And I agree. I think if you can go into <clears throat> any weekend of golf within six strokes, you're more than fine. For I just sure. think you're more than fine. And we've seen that this year. I mean, I can only think of one dominant down the stretch performance, you know, John Rahm winning that tournament, you know, being in the lead the entire time. I can't think of anyone else that, you know, started and ended with the lead even within like two days, let alone, you know, three or anything like that. So I think it was great composure from Colin Morikawa. Matt, you want to know something exciting? You are actually four degrees from Colin Morikawa because I have someone, a friend from high school who's friend is dating colin morikawa oh heck yeah right so yeah. <laughs> we have to have him on the podcast yeah i'm getting from this oh absolutely. i would love to <laughs> we can have him on the podcast and the entire time matt we have to try to remember that he's not you know he's the youngest of us yeah i know i that's the one, <laughs> that's the one thing about sports these days it's like yeah. i'm like athletes, it's, it's like a reverse Matthew McConaughey, Days and Confused. Uh, I guess not reverse, but like that's the thing about athletes. I keep getting older and they stay the same age. Or if anything, they're getting younger. Like it, it's nuts. But yeah, yeah he, it is. Uh, he doesn't act like a 23-year-old either. Like like you said, the composure that he had, like the guy just oozes confidence, composure. Like even after he he smoked that driver, like he put a smile on his face, but it, he wasn't he wasn't ready to, to celebrate his win and he basically did win it on that on that swing right exactly the only time he showed his age is when he dropped the trophy <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny though it made Mark, me lo- wait, 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 actually maybe it was real i think it was real then when they dropped the copa del rey right in front of the bus and the bus just ran it over 
Yeah, so many instances of the players dropping <laughs> uh, trophies and such. It's it's just really funny. And I I think I'm gonna say that I told you already. I told you the l- last time we had an episode, sports episode. I don't think Rory McIlroy wins a Masters this year. I don't think he does. I told you I thought this was the tournament that he at least had to show up in in order to have a chance. And I just think it's not his year. I think that he is not going to win the other two. So that's what I'll say about that as well. Yeah, I got to agree. Him and gosh, I mean, another thing about golf, like what the hell has happened to Jordan Spieth? Oh, I don't what? know. He was the next Tiger. He The guy could not lose. And now he it it's incredible how it makes me sad because he was, he was fun to watch. And I hope, I mean, he's still, you know, decently young where he could figure it out. And he's going to have a nice long golf career. But from where he was at to where he's not at now, it's it's shocking. Yeah, that's the thing about golf. You know, like we talk about Tiger every day, but Tiger hasn't finished in the in the net, you know, in the negative numbers in a hot second. So you have to just it's it's tournament by tournament. And the people that can be the most consistent are the ones that are good right now. Rory McIlroy was number one a couple of months ago. And now I don't even put him in the top five. It's just kind of, yeah, it's hard. Um, but it's exciting, too, because you never know who's going to show up and who's not going to. Yeah, absolutely. So that d- definitely makes it exciting. Um, if that's all we got to talk about golf, I'm it gonna is. Move, yeah, I'm going to move us. <laughs> all I wanted to talk about is a PGA. Like, once you have a major, it's, it's tough to be like, all right. And then this weekend, we've got a tournament in Columbus. <laughs> Woo! let's take it to the ice i actually don't know if the tournament's in columbus this weekend oh, columbus the greatest city in the world anyway um we are going to take it to the nhl super exciting uh qualifying and round robin rounds in the first kind of setup of this tournament and i mean it did not disappoint so many upsets happened in the qualifying matches Ooh. And it was just, I have no idea what's going to happen in some of these games because the teams are very easily outmatched in their first actual playoff games. But then they were also outmatched in their qualifying games. I mean, you had the Blackhawks playing the playing the Oilers and you didn't expect them to beat out the Oilers. You have the Coyotes also beating out the Predators. You had the Flames who beat out the Jets. I mean, just so many different teams that beat out their competition and and we didn't expect them to. So who knows what happens? But I love that because playoff hockey is always crazy and it's even crazier this year. And that has just been compounded by the two overtime games we've had already so far. And by overtime, I mean in com- combined, they had seven overtimes. So <laughs> seven overtimes in two games. I just want to make that clear. So two games took like the place of like five. That's yeah. that's basically what ended up happening. And yeah, very exciting. But let me just run you down on how the West and East brackets look and what we can probably expect from them to happen. Uh, in the West, the number one seed was claimed in the round robin round by the Vegas Golden Knights. They were kind of the favorite in the West going in. They solidified their place in the West and as the favorite in the West in the round robin round. I think it's very hard to expect the Blackhawks to do anything against the Golden Knights. I think they played very admirably against the Oilers. It's a hats off to them. It's something to build on for the future. But 
in the first game already. Golden Knights beat them four to one yesterday. Riley Smith, two goals and an assist. You know, Leonard with 19 saves. I, I just, I think that the Blackhawks would have needed to show that they're closer in that first game for me to believe in them. And I just think with that already one zero in the hole, I find it very hard to believe that they can win four straight. I just don't think that's going to happen. So I think the Golden Knights go through there, but, you know, glad that the Blackhawks, you know, upset the Oilers and are in there. The number two seed was grabbed, uh, grabbed by the very impressive Colorado Avalanche who are playing another Cinderella story team in the Arizona Coyotes. Why there is a team from Arizona in the NHL, I will never understand. It always makes me laugh. It always makes me laugh. It's like the same with the Florida team. It's like, why Why did this need to be a thing? Who knows? At least Tampa Bay Lightning is good. But I, guess the Florida they, I guess they do play inside, but it is still just hilarious. Yeah, it's so funny. It is really funny. But that series starts today. And again, I think this is, we talked about it earlier. I think the West is pretty much decided, done and dusted with like the, you know, kind of not only the talent that the Colorado Avalanche has, but the depth of talent that they have. Even their second line is better than the Coyotes first line. So I think that the, that the Avalanche will win. And do I think they'll sweep them? Probably not. You know, the Coyotes might get a win or two, you know, to make it interesting, but yeah, and the Avalanche weren't so much worse than the Golden Knights in the first place. The only reason they finished second was because they lost in OT to the Avalanche, uh, to the Golden Knights. So they're already, you know, basically tied at the top of that West, and they can compete with the Golden Knights. So the Yotes upset the Predators. Good for them. The Predators were also, though, the Predators, not like the Oilers. The Predators were not doing that well anyway. Like, they were disappointing before coronavirus. They are disappointing into the into the uh, playoffs. And yeah, so I think the Avalanche grabs that one pretty easy. Series starts today, though, and I'm not putting anything past anybody in this tournament. And now we're going to go to kind of the two interesting games in the West. You have the Dallas Stars playing the Calgary Flames. The Flames beating out the Winnipeg Jets in a surprising 3-1 to series. You didn't even have to go to five games. And I thought this is going to be the team that we see to upset. And they're not disappointing. They beat the Dallas Stars yesterday. And I, I, I do think that's that's what's going to happen. I think the Calgary Stars upset the Dal- uh, sorry the Calgary Flames upset the Dallas Stars. I think that's what ends up happening. The Flames just have a good good team, a young team that might hurt them in the long run in terms of experience. But Calgary Flames are in it to win it. The Stars finishing in that third seed. They had a so so opening round, kind of had a, a couple of defensive issues. So I don't know if they'll come back, but they're 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 good. So it could go to a game seven, but we'll see. And then finally, the Stanley Cup champion Blues disappointing last place round robin finish. Now, were they great before coronavirus? No. Did they improve after coronavirus? Also, no. They still are kind of disappointing. And they did grab that last then uh, seeding spot and they have to play the Vancouver Canucks. And the Vancouver Canucks, they dominated the wild and... The Wild, I didn't think were that great either. So I'm not saying the Canucks are necessarily so much better than the Blues and that it's going to be a blowout or anything. But I think the Blues need to improve and they need to improve fast in order to make sure that they don't get eliminated in the first round. Dude, it's pretty nuts that both the the Bruins and the Blues were both on top of the Western and Eastern Conference respectively, and they both got last in the in the round robin uh, part of, of the tournament. I find that... Just 
it's just surprising. I mean, you know, long way off, and I suppose it's only three games as opposed to the amount they played in, in the regular season. Sometimes you can get your your flow going a little better, but uh, kind of surprising. Also, Vegas Knights, are they the best, like, at least start to an expansion franchise ever? I think the only team that I can think of United States wise, in terms of any sport expansion wise, that was just as good. And even they're too young. I, I'm going to say probably. I'm going to say, yeah. If not them, Atlanta United or LAFC in the MLS, or maybe even the LA Galaxy back in the day when they were expanded. But. And those are in like less established leagues. Right. That's less established. A big league like that. I mean, I can't think of anything in the NFL or the NBA or they anything like that. They put the ground running. Like they made they, yeah. they make the Stanley Cup like their first year as a team. Their first ever year. They Yeah, they did. They it's absolutely nuts. did. Yeah. And, and they are among the top, my top three in this tournament. I think it's going to be very hard for them to miss the final. And honestly, with how the East is, I think whoever comes out of the East is going to be so gosh darn tired that they can't even play them at the end because they're going to have played so many games seven yeah they're going to be beat up whoever let's talk about the east though we had an interesting round robin seating in the east we talked about the bruins shat the bed in the round robin side i mean oh a hundred point season before and they just lost three straight and but you still had the tampa bay lightning and the Washington Capitals. You have a Vetchkin and a really good Lightning team. That the only reason that they didn't make the Stanley Cup playoff uh, final in the last year was because the Bruins had such a good team and beat them. That's the only reason. And neither of those teams were the ones that finished first. It was the Philadelphia Flyers. I don't know <laughs> how that happened. I don't think the Flyers are going to continue that. In in all honesty, but good for them. They came to play. They hit the ground running. They knew they were the worst team in that seeding round robin, and they took it to everyone. And I thought, you know, they beat the Bruins in the first game, but the Bruins, you know, just obviously were weak on the start, but they showed it against all the teams, and good for them. They get, in my opinion, a pretty easy matchup against the Canadians. Obviously, the Canadians did beat Sidney Crosby and the Penguins, and that's something to be said. But again, I think it's kind of like the Blackhawks. I don't think the Habs have any real opposition for a team like the Flyers that are playing in the Flyers form you know in a regular season game I think it's probably more even but like I think it's going to be really hard to beat them over seven games that's going to be really hard still the 12 seed for a reason still a 12 seed for a reason I honestly this is the only sweep that I see right I I honestly think the Canadians didn't even play as well as the Blackhawks did so I think this is probably a sweep situation one of the only ones and yeah, that should be an easy one. And the Flyers will need an easy one in order to prepare for whatever game they end up playing next. Uh, speaking of which, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Colum- uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. And I just, what a great series. I knew it was going to be a great series before it started. And last night did not disappoint. I mean, the Columbus Blue Jackets get into this playoff game by ousting the Leaves in five, the really good Toronto Maple Leafs. I did not think that they were going to get eliminated. And Blue Jackets are great too, don't get me wrong, but I just did not see uh, them getting eliminated. So they're there already in kind of an upset uh, victory for me. And last night, they played to a historic five-overtime, six-hour game, Lightning grabbing the victory, Braden Point scoring the goal to win three to two, I mean, the game started at three and it ended at nine. A game was postponed till this morning. I think they just got done, right? They just got done. (laughs) 
Um, in fact, they had so few players that me and Matt had to pad up, and it was yeah. just us. And it, it was, was an just, abysmal performance. It was not impressive. At least it on was my really end. bad. It was really bad. They didn't even make us play hockey. They just said, "Just get in a fight, and then whoever wins <laughs> gets the win." <laughs> this is oh, UFC hockey hybrid right from the start. Right, exactly. I I can't think of a sport I would be worse at. Like I'm short, and basketball would not be my sport. But I feel like with basketball, I could adapt to be a good passer. You know, like a good Ricky Rubio kind of situation. I, I just know hockey. I would, I would not ever. I couldn't even. You couldn't even stick me in the goal and feel confident, even if I was a big ass dude. Like, yeah, truthfully, no, it's not my. I applaud everyone who is so good at it. It's. I'm not graceful enough to, for the the uh, skating. I mean, I can I can skate. I'm fine, but not not like they do. And then I'm not tough enough for the other aspect. Like, it's not not my sport. Right. If someone came at me and like the dude like just started throwing hands and the ref was like okay go i'd be like no absolutely not i'm wins. out of here he wins he wins i'm done i'm okay oh, i'm good i'm good i'm good i don't need that i don't need that i don't need it today thank you though and um yeah but that's gonna be a really great series that five overtime victory for the lightning took a lot out of both of them and i think i kind of told myself as soon as it went into you know quintuple overtime that whoever ends up winning that it's going to be the winner because it's just going to be so hard to be consistent with all the fatigue that goes into that. I mean, you have players playing for 60 plus minutes. That's hard. So I don't know if the Blue Jackets can come back in this one, which is kind of unfair to say given how well they played, but we'll see. It's only one game in the lightning have the lead. The lightning are one of my favorites to win. They were my favorite going in, even though they finished second, they're just such a good team. And the players have been playing together for a good amount. Nikita Kucherov is a beast. And I just think that, they are going to be competitive. But yeah, that's how that game is going. Next, you have the Washington Capitals against our New York Islanders, the surprise team. Islanders! You're right. That's what I'm saying. They had a terrific season pre-coronavirus, qualified with a 3-1 to win over the Florida Panthers. Capitals had a so-so round robin. They did better than the Bruins, but just barely. And the matchup's going to be interesting. I think here we could see an upset as well. I think the Islanders, if they can capitalize on their good run of form that they could upset the Capitals. So I actually, in both three, three V uh, six situations, I see upsets. I see this. I see the kind of upset happening. So that's an interesting taking it home. Six seed taking it home for I sure. We both, we both picked the, I mean, it might be a little of our uh, home. What's I don't even know what bias, um, but we both picked the land Islanders to, to win this series. Didn't we? We did. I, I, I did. I, if you yeah. did, then I did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's just a good pick. I think the Islanders are a good match for the Capitals. I don't think the Capitals are in any kind of great form that I would think that they're so much better. So it'll be interesting. Could go to a game seven, but I think the Islanders might upset there. And finally, not to sound biased. So if I do, <laughs> just know that it's because I am the Boston Bruins <laughs> against the... <laughs> It's always nice just just to you know be honest about. I want to be honest. I don't want you guys thinking I don't know what I'm talking about. I must be yeah. biased or something. Just know that I am biased or something. Yeah. That way, there's no. You can just you can just mute me right now. Wait a couple minutes, and then Matt will be talking about something less biased <laughs> in a second. So yeah, the Boston Bruins playing the the <clears throat> Carolina Hurricanes, and a really good matchup here. I mean, the Carolina Hurricanes had an impressive series sweep against the New York Rangers. Granted, the New York Rangers, not great, but they did have a sweep against them, played well. Bruins were horrible 
in the round robin play round. Three losses, no identity, despite having a hundred points and losing their no one. Then they had the number one seed that they lost, and that front line just making bad passes, not knowing how to shoot. It, it truly wasn't the defense; it was the offense. Which who expected the Bruins' offense to go into that, you know, post coronavirus uh, tournament so flat? But I said it. I wrote it on my notes here before the game. I said the series is going to depend on if Marchand, Pasternak, and Bergeron can get their shit together. And you know what, my friend? They did get their shit together. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. Was it close? Absolutely it was. But they won 4-3, to three, Bergeron scoring the winner, and that's all that I care about. Double OT, 4-3 to three win, and it being one up, it allows them some breathing space so that the Canes don't sweep them because of bad form. So I am taking the Bruins in that one. I think they are the better team. Do I think the Canes... Could upset them. Oh, dear God, I hope not. But yeah, they could. They absolutely could. I'm scared of it. I am I sweat that whole game more than the players. I will say that. But uh, and yeah, that is the other one. So like I said, exciting, exciting, exciting NHL playoffs. But Matt, what else is new? Truly, yeah. I mean, I, I think you and me probably want to talk about this a little more at another time. But like as far as... Uh, Sports returning, I don't know if anyone's knocked it out of the park as, as well as the NHL um, with like the round robin with the seeding and, and the five game series with, you know, the 12 seeds to the five seeds. Um, it was a great format. And yeah, I mean, NHL hockey is like the, the seven game series for basketball is so much because like of just like adjustments and, and such and such. Like you really don't see that many upsets. Like the best team usually gets it. it figured out before they lose four games, but hockey is, you know, it's tougher to score and, and just other elements. Like it's, it's a crap shoot. And I think even more so this year um, than, than we're accustomed to. And we're accustomed to a pretty, pretty wild playoff scenarios in the, uh, in the NHL. So it's going to be a fun one to keep on watching. It is. And we think about it. I mean, the blues Stanley cup champions, rightfully so, their path there was completely unpredicted as Absolutely. well. They yeah. were the last seed going, like the eighth seed, I believe, going in there. And I mean, just, I mean, I love it. We love it. We love it. We love it. And if you don't watch hockey, and I get it because ho- I, I was like this for a while, hockey rules are weird. But like, I'm here to tell you, you don't really have to understand things like icing and offside to enjoy hockey. Like you really, really don't. It's so much fun. It's kind of like golf where if you really can't get go into it, like go watch the third period and it's some good, exciting stuff always. And the playoffs especially is like the best. I mean, that that should be true for any sport, but like I feel like it's even more so for hockey. Like I used to not be a big hockey guy and then I had friends who were hockey fans. So, you know, I'd be there for playoff games and like you, you can't not like, get get into the, the game it's just it's too fun um not to so definitely check out these playoffs they're all like on tv too i mean it's all nbc nbc sports network such and such so there's you're not like they're not really letting you miss any games so go and check it no out excuses. <laughs> no excuses no excuses all right jan we are going to go over to a sport that we actually have not discussed yet uh, since we've we've started our little two beers podcast, uh, and that is for- <laughs> now that's next week. Start it, okay? Sorry, 
Now, now I'm going to force us to talk about cricket someday, which is going to be a struggle because my cricket knowledge is maybe negative, like not even like zero. Like maybe it might be so ill-informed that like I think things that just like aren't true. But uh, no, we're not going to talk about cricket, unfortunately. Sorry, cricket fans. I know you guys have been on the edge of your seat just waiting for us to talk about it, uh, but, but not today. Uh, we're going to be talking about a little Formula One racing. So uh, originally going to be 22 races this year. Uh, that has been obviously, you know, several of those have been canceled, postponed. Um, one in Abu Dhabi, I think, is pending if they're going to still try and race it. Um, as of right now, they've implemented a 13-race European-based competition to ensure that the season goes on. Uh, I believe for the Formula One, they have to race – I think have like eight races for it to like count as like a full season. Um, so they've just based it with the, with the races that are all in Europe this year. So they're going to have 13 total, maybe up to 16, um, but at least 13 races. Uh, Valtteri Bottas started the year off with a win for Mercedes at the Austrian Grand Prix. And then if you know anything about Formula One, uh, if not, you're going to learn soon. It was back to business as usual. And by that, I mean Lewis Hamilton reeled off three wins at the Styrian Grand Prix, the Hungarian Grand Prix, and the British Grand Prix, Grand Prix wow. respectively. Uh, at the 70th anniversary Grand Prix, Max Verstappen for Red Bull got the first win for a, a non-Mercedes uh, team this year. But don't worry, Lewis Hamilton still got second. Uh, so, Jeez. Yeah. Jeez. Lewis, Is there Lewis anybody Hamilton. more dominant He's in a so sport? I don't know. Right now, I think he might be the most dominant athlete. Like the and Mercedes just in general is 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 extremely dominant. I mean, Botas right now has 73 points uh, to be in third. Uh Verstappen's win this weekend got him up to 77 with he, so he's in second. And then as I mentioned, the dominating Lewis Hamilton, 107 points. He's up 30 points over Verstappen to have the lead through five races, still eight races to go, still a lot to go. But I mean, the guy has been on the podium four times this year, uh, actually got to 155 podiums with, with his second place finish this weekend, tying him with Michael Schumacher for the most all time. So I think that record is, is safe to say will be Hamilton soon. Um, and in a comparison of the two Schumacher in his races would get on the podium 50% of the time, Lewis Hamilton gets on there 60% of the time. The only three racers that have a better percentage than him are two guys who didn't have more than 10 races. And uh, the third guy who's, a, who's at 67% raced 52 times compared to Hamilton's over 200 times. And that was back in the 1950s. Uh, yeah, so yeah, he's, he's been out. one of like the most. <laughs> the cars were different. Barely even sports. But, I mean, truly one of the most dominating athletes. Uh, he, he looks like he's well on his way to winning his seventh Formula One championship, which, again, would tie Michael Schumacher for most all time. Um, he's won three in a row. This would be his fourth in a row if he's able to get it done. And, and Smart Money says that him and Mercedes uh, will, will do that. They've, they've truly been the most dominant partnership in that sport. Um, I was sad to see – I was in Australia last year, and our Airbnb was – we weren't like super close to where they raced the Australian Grand Prix, but we were close enough where we could hear them during the time trials. Oh, and that's it was so cool. Oh, so tight. Um, 
So that was the first time I really like got, I was like, I need to start getting into Formula One. And then my sister actually told me, if you want to, if you want to get into Formula One a little more, um, they have like all the races on, on ESPN, usually Sunday mornings. So definitely check those out. But there's a show on, uh, there's a show on Netflix called Formula One Drive to Survive. Um, I actually haven't watched it yet, but my sister sings high praises of this thing. Uh, really goes in depth, I guess, of all the racers, of all the different teams and such. Uh, and since watching that, she's become a huge Formula One fan. She's like, Matt, you have to, you have to get into it. Um, and it's it's a fun sport to watch. And as we as we mentioned with Lewis Hamilton, maybe the most dominant athlete on the planet right now. And I, I think there's there's nothing we love more, sport fans, than to watch somebody like that. Not only to cheer for them, but also see if anybody can t- can top them, which. I don't think they will this year, um, but we will we'll circle back around in the Formula One in a couple of weeks and, and we'll let you know how Hamilton and the, the rest of the racers and teams are doing. Right. And I actually grew up, my dad grew up in Germany and oh my gosh, it's like storming here in New York. Like truthfully, it sounds like death outside, but it's crazy. Oh my gosh! Are you okay with the storm that happened in Iowa? Yeah, I'll send you. A, I'll send you a picture of my uh, my neighbor's tree. It was nuts. Yeah, we hope everyone in Iowa is, is safe. I know lots and lots of people are still without energy, um, or power. Um, it's it was a it was a crazy storm, but I hope everyone's staying safe. Right. I hope everyone's staying safe in Iowa. And happy birthday to my friend Emily Duncan, who is currently uh, quarantining in Iowa. Happy birthday, Emily Duncan. Happy birthday, Emily Duncan. That's uh, our yeah. happy birthday voices. That is. That's how I sing happy birthday to everyone. And then everyone's <laughs> like, I have a favor to ask. Could you never sing happy yeah, birthday to right. me? You're never invited to birthday parties. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I thought it's because you didn't like me. So that's good to know. And uh, yeah, the thing about Formula One, uh, I actually know two Formula One drivers. And, and I don't know anything about Formula One. And it's because... Uh, as he's called in Germany, Michel Schumacher, uh, just a great German driver. And my dad, <laughs> my dad, yeah, thank you. Uh, my dad growing up, I mean, he likes soccer. He like every other German kid did, but he said the biggest celebrity growing up was Michael Schumacher. Like he, he knew he had posters of Michael Schumacher. So that was like the big guy. I also know Sebastian Vettel, German driver, uh, red with Red Bull. And, um, so that's like another one that I'm familiar with. So I should get into it. Cause I do have, I feel like Germans are decently good at this sport. So I, I should get yeah. into it. That's True. what I'm saying. It's, it's I'm weird. Saying. Cause it's one of those sports that like, is like kind of, kind of just similar to soccer where like Americans don't really care about it, but like almost every other country is like, hell yeah, we love formula one. Right. Yeah. And, and just to be every, everyone clear, like I know, and I I'm guilty of this too. If you're thinking that Formula One and like NASCAR have the same feel, they really don't. Formula One is sleek. Formula One is technical. Formula One has hot drivers. I mean, it's just, they are sexy men. Like they're, it's like they took men off the model line every fifth one. And we're like, okay, so we're going to teach you how to drive. (laughs) (laughs) Like truthfully, truthfully sexy men matt i'm glad we can agree on this and say it you know because we're comfortable oh, true. we're comfortable in our sexuality how did you become a like a race car driver you're so hot 
Right. It's like, wow, I know that you'd be fine even if you didn't have race car driving. You'd yeah. be just fine. But yeah, so, you know, there's something for everybody uh, in, in the sport. So really check it out if you haven't. There's something for everybody. Um, yeah, so I'm so glad that you brought that up. I'm going to watch that documentary. I'm going to watch Formula One more. Sunday mornings, I'm there. I'm there. I don't have anything else to do. I'm there. And Add it, add it to the schedule. Add it like I have any space anymore. Truly, <laughs> truly. I have to put a few more TVs. Right, exactly. A few more TVs. But it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. I'm going to switch us over to my sport. And I call it that because it'll always be my favorite. We're staying Football. in Europe. We're staying in Europe. It is the UEFA Champions League. How happy are we that the UEFA Champions League is... You guys don't know. It's the greatest anthem of any anything. It is. It's truthfully, other than, other than, um, other than the Iowa opening track when they run out, it's truthfully the best moment of an opening. Yeah. Of an opening Our thing. Competition, like I guess March Madness has some good ones, but I, I the Champions one I love. It's just like so over the top, and <laughs> I just love it. It's so right. good. And they're always and they're playing it on the TV, which is baller. But like, if you listen closely. The players are like waiting to go on listening to that song play in the stadium. So you know they are hype. I would be yeah. so hype going into a Champions League quarterfinal oh, listening sure. to that music. I think this I can't remember if it's this FIFA or the last one, but they finally like got the rights to the Champions League to like call it that like officially. And the first time I had like a game in my like manager mode where I was in the Champions League, that song started and I was just like, I am ready to go. Yeah, I am ready to win the Champions League yeah, for I Europe did. forever. But yeah, we are in the quarterfinal stage. And I explained this kind of the last time as well, but I'll go over it again. So they played out the round of 16 second legs to see who would go through. But now that we're in the quarterfinal stage, it's one-off games, Matthew. There is no two legs. It is winner takes all of one game. And that's crazy because away goals historically have played such a big role in who moves on. I mean, with PSG kind of shit in the bed against Barcelona, with Barcelona subsequently shit in the bed against Juventus. I mean, truthfully... So many teams have been eliminated away, away goals. Bayern was eliminated on away goals against Real Madrid a couple of years ago. And Manchester United famously uh, had to be eliminated on away goals in 2007 when, or 2012 when Arjen Robin hit a goal into the bottom corner and they were tied, but there was away goals. I know I don't have to say that, but I just wanted to remind you, Matthew. Anyway, and... Uh, <laughs> you weren't that good. <laughs> but yeah, we were in that, I can't believe we were in that game. So, right, I that such a good game. We'll talk about it another time. But here are the teams in the Champions League. You have PSG, Atalanta, Leipzig, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, and Bayern Munich, Man City, Olympic Lyon. And there is one side of the bracket that has PSG, Atalanta, Leipzig, and Atleti, four pretty okay teams. And then you have one side of the bracket with Barcelona, Bayern, and Manchester City. And the only reason it's only three great teams instead of four is because Juventus couldn't win against Lyon. <laughs> so truthfully, four, not just like four good teams, four like pretty consistent league champions of their own countries in the same bracket. So one side definitely has it better, but... Both sides are competitive regardless. 
And I'll tell you about the games happening because they're happening fast. We are watching, like I said, PSG versus Atalanta. Atalanta has a 1-0 lead. If it stays that way, the Cinderella story of Atalanta moves on. Atalanta, we've talked about them this season. So exciting to watch and attack. A team unity like we've never seen with, with an Italian team since like the Juventus of a couple years ago. PSG, obviously they have Neymar, inconsistent. And and they don't really have a team identity. You have a lot of players leaving at the end of the season. They didn't play their French league. And even the two cups that they had to play, they barely won. You know, Angel Di Maria, not available. Kylian Mbappe, only available off the bench. A lot of things going against them. But they're still PSG. They have a lot of talent. They do have the talent to win. And we'll see. Right now they're losing, but we will see. Uh, my money's on Atalanta upsetting them. It was on Atalanta upsetting them even before the, the first whistle of the game. And I think that's where it stays. But yeah, and they will play the winner of Leipzig and Atletico Madrid. This is going to be a closer game. I think that the one-off situation kind of supports Atletico Madrid a little more because Atletico Madrid, their whole thing is that they pack it in and they grab you and then they don't need to do anything else. And it's hard to do that over 180 minutes. Over 90 minutes, very easy for Diego Simeone to do that. So I think that they're going to be very hard to beat in this tournament. And I have them actually going probably to the final. But I think that Leipzig, regardless, isn't really good enough to beat them. They didn't end the Bundesliga season well. They had the chance to grab second or even compete for the title. They lost both of those chances, even though Dortmund sucked at the end of the season. And, you know, Timo Werner has checked out. He's headed to Chelsea. He doesn't have the motivation to lead Leipzig to a win. You know, I just think that Leipzig is kind of there as a courtesy and they lose to Atletico Madrid. That's kind of what I'm predicting. I'm glad to see another German team there, though, especially with Dortmund kind of disappointing in the round of 16. Anyway, let's get to the big one. It's FC Barcelona versus FC Bayern Munich. This isn't biased this time. This is the big one. This is the big one. I promise (laughs) you it's not biased because I've literally been vomiting on the hour every hour (laughs) thinking about this game. I'm just like, let me see a doctor. I know, probably. Something like that. Maybe it's alcohol poisoning. Maybe it's thinking about Messi dicing up our defense every hour on the hour. He'll He'll do that to you. I mean, more than any time, we've played Barcelona and Real Madrid more times than I can count in our past. Even in my, you know, kind of 20 years of really knowing Bayern Munich as a good team. And they've always been the better side. Both of them have always been the better side. We beat Barcelona when we won the Champions League 2013. But that was because we were dom- we were dominating in form, not because we were the better side. We've beaten Real Madrid in the past, but not because we were the better side. I mean, everybody points to we beat them in the round of 16 when they had Ronaldo and Beckham and everybody and everybody. But that's because we got a 1-0 win and got lucky in, in the away game. And that's like what happened. So, yeah, it, it, it's just it's an interesting time because Bayern Munich is the better side and not just form wise, but also team wise. They have a stronger defense than Barcelona does. They have a more potent attack that isn't focused on one player. And they finally seem to have found some identity in transitional defense, which has kind of been their big issue. They can't really get back on counterattacks. Manuel Neuer playing better than ever. Robert Lewandowski, four goals off of Cristiano Ronaldo's Champions League record. Alfonso Davies come in his own, kind of being the man uh, for that Bayern Munich side. Thomas Muller turning from goal scorer to record-setting assist maker. This is the year for Bayern Munich to win. It is all theirs to lose, in my opinion. They do have to play Manchester City probably, but even then, I I think Bayern is the favorite in a lot of people's eyes. 
But that doesn't matter when you're playing Lionel Messi. None of that matters when you're playing Lionel Messi. I could, I we we could have signed Cristiano Ronaldo yesterday just because, and it still wouldn't matter because <laughs> Lionel Messi is going to decide this game. If Lionel Messi decides to show up and be Lionel Messi, we could lose this game. And I don't even mean could; I mean will. We will lose this game if he shows up, and that's just true. We've already the coach has already come out and said we don't have a plan for Messi. He's their best player. We're going to try to neutralize him. That's great. But you know what happens when you don't have a plan for the best player and he becomes the best player? You don't neutralize him. Yeah. So now, just- plus we've seen we've seen plenty of uh, of teams have a plan to try and neutralize Lionel Messi. It's uh, a cliche to say, but certainly easier said than done. Yeah, my guess, and this is good, you know, for Bayern especially. It's it's good for Barcelona because Barcelona is the the better team. Uh, and they'll be able to kind of, if they win, they win, and they don't have to worry about a second game. But what's good for Bayern is that they can get in a shootout. They've done it plenty of times this season, and they can afford now to, sure. get in, to get in a shootout because Bayern can pack it in against Barcelona. Barcelona cannot pack it in against Bayern. They do not have the defensive strength to do that. So I think even if Barcelona grabs a lead, in this one, if I'm Bayern, I'm playing as well as I can. I'm not worrying about if Barcelona scores because if Barcelona scores, I'm throwing it all up top and we're hoping we score more goals. And I think that honestly favors them, if anything. So do I think Bayern will win? Probably. Does the stats do the stats favor them? Definitely. Does any of that matter? Absolutely not. <laughs> and and I'm like I said, I am nervous. They play Friday. I I'm I think if we beat Barcelona, I favor us winning the Champions League. So thankfully, I'm just going to worry about that. I say that, but then we have to probably play Manchester City in the next game, which I also won't like. It's just, it was a hard draw for Bayern. That's what you it was. was. But here's what I'll say. I am not a person to point at a hard draw and call it unfair. I'm not someone to point and say, how could they? Because you know what the truth of the matter is, Matt? If you can't beat the best, then you are not the best. The best team The best team wins. No matter. The best team wins. That's how I feel about the NBA. They're like, the Western yep. Conference is so much harder. I'm like, yeah, but if you can't beat the other teams in the Western Conference, you don't deserve to be in the final. Yeah, then you you're, don't. Not, you're not the NBA champion. Like, right, exactly. Exactly. I'm glad we feel the same because I hate people who do that. I can't stand it. It's like, wow, if you need your team to get in on a technicality, unless you're like a small side that was hoping to go another extra mile, like if you're a big team and you're hoping to get in on a technicality, then you're not, you're not, you don't have that, that, uh, what's it called? That BTE, that big team energy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I totally agree. I'm glad you feel that way. Yeah. And That's the best uh, team, no matter what their path is, should be able to take that path. Exactly. That's just what it should be able to do. Like Germany in the 2006 World Cup, I'll say it. I I moaned about it for so long. Or sorry, 2010 World Cup. I moaned about it for so long because they had to play England and then they had to play Argentina and then they had to play Spain. Was that a hard was that a hard draw? Absolutely. But we lost to the rightful winners. We did. Spain was better and Spain ended up winning rightfully so. So, I think that's just the best best thing that you can hope for. But yeah, the last game of the Champions League quarterfinals, Manchester City versus Lyon. Not going to spend much time on this. Lyon upset Juventus. <laughs> I mean, they upset Juventus, but not because Lyon was great, but because Juventus, like I've been saying all year, doesn't have a midfield, doesn't really have an identity outside of Cristiano Ronaldo and Pauli Dybala. And they had they had a deficit going in, and they just couldn't overturn it. And Lyon did well to hold it, but 
Manchester City is so much better than Olympic Lyon, like on all fronts and have been playing more recently. Yeah, that's for me, that's a no brainer. If Manchester City lose that game, Pep Guardiola's job should be a little on the hot seat, honestly, like truthfully, if they lose that game and they lost out to Liverpool, I think his job is on the hot seat. That's what I'm saying. I think it's going to be a thrashing. Yeah, it's I can see five zero and a very easy night. Very easy night. A uh, hat trick for Raheem Sterling, honestly, truthfully. Jan, I, I just looked it up. Do you know the last time that the Champions League didn't have like two leg competition in the knockout round? I'm going to say 1978. Never. Never. Oh, <laughs> isn't that insane? I, that thought, is- I thought like I was going all the way back. Like I got to the 60s. I was like, there's going to be one of these years where like, then, you know, they're like, oh, we should implement two legs. Never. Has there Isn't ever been that, a year where I couldn't been believe it. Because that must be the truth then. Especially for how much. Yeah, because. They might, I mean, they might have, but I, yeah, I'm, especially like soccer competitions, like they kind of change, like they change their format a decent amount. More oh, than, yeah, they're more adding- than most, most sports do. So I was like, there has to be, but no, they have always had two leg battles in, in the knockout round obviously besides the final but uh That's fair. yeah shocking right that is shocking i have a question for you matt so this only applies to the to the european championship so the euros but in the euros up until 1996 when west germany won the euros up until 1996 the euros were decided post uh, full regulation by by golden goal what would you what do you feel about the golden goal format it is it is the purest i just i know that it's stupid and i would hate to be involved with it as a team because like one goal decides and whoever scores first what a crazy but how much would you love to see that i would love it i love the golden goal i absolutely love the goal well like i mean you know obviously it happens where like an extra time goal like sometimes the team is able to come back or at least maybe push it to penalties but like I would like – I wonder what the stats are just like straight up of like the first team scoring an extra time, how many times they go on to win because it, it kind of is almost like a – at least it feels like a golden goal anyway. I would, I would love the golden goal. I, me and my buddies would always play 2v2 FIFA and whenever it went to extra time, no matter what, we always did golden goal. We're like we're not doing – like we're putting all the stakes on. I love the golden goal. I, dang, I didn't know that they used to use it. I wish they still did. Yeah. Oliver Bierhoff scored a golden goal winner over Czechoslovakia in the 1996 European Championship final to win it for Germany. Sick. And I just, as a fan, if I watched Germany win on golden goal in the Euro final, I would literally None. lose my shit. Well, it's and the only, it's the only way, I mean, besides, I guess, penalties, but like penalties aren't like open play. The golden, golden goal is the only way you can like literally have a walk-off winner in soccer. Right. Like yeah, the only, only way. Right, absolutely. And I just think that, yeah, I would love to see it. And I just, I don't, I get, I get extra time. And I get it's because it's like, should we really just do it to the first goal? Because then the best team doesn't win. But I kind of think if a team gets to extra time, that they deserve the stupid win. Yeah. Like, if I you get to extra too. time... If you get through 90 minutes with a team that is obviously better than you, then guess what? That team deserves to lose on yeah, one goal. Absolutely. Then they're not that much better. Like yeah. that's just the truth. 
Like if, okay, Man United and Copenhagen went to extra time, right? Now let's say it was golden goal and Copenhagen scored. Would it suck? Yes. Did Copenhagen deserve that chance? Absolutely, because the goalkeeper so. kept them in the cha- in the game. Yeah. And I just think it would be so much fun. You could get so many more fans off of it. And you have an impetus for little teams to be like, okay, well, we might actually win. Versus little teams that go in with like bigger teams in extra time, they're not going to win. Because no. they don't have the stamina or the talent to last that long. They don't. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally would support... Uh, golden goal. I I love it. I think it would be. I wish at least like some competition, like Europa League, should do it. Like one of the right some some dumb competition. But let's do it seriously. Come on, bring it yeah. back. Just just like league cups, even an FA yeah. Cup golden goal. Oh boy, it would suck. But like but yeah, and like I said too, like how many times? Like if your team gets scored on in extra time, how many times are you really like, all right? We're going to go get this equalizer, maybe even a winner. Like, no. you're, you're deplete. Like, you think your team lost no matter what. <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, I'm out of here. I'm fucking tired. Yeah. It's been a hundred yeah, minutes of running. Yeah, I'm turning that TV off regardless of if it's going. It's going goal in my mind. Yeah, in my head, I've been scored on an extra time. My teams have been scored an extra time so many times, more times than I can count. And we never – to my recollection, we haven't won any of them. If anything, we got scored on again. Like yeah, that's what happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. Ends up being like four to one, even though it was one, one at the end of regional. Seriously. <laughs> oh boy. I guess, All right. Well, no, you know what? I, I stand corrected. I think didn't Brent, I think Brentford scored first against Fulham in extra time. And then, and then I think Fulham got two. Oh, okay. Fair I might, enough. but that might, I might be wrong on that. It might've been Fulham scored two and then Brentford got one, but it still has to be, like a small amount of that, like happening, like there, it just right, exactly. No, for sure, it's a low for amount. Sure, now sure. I was wrong. I was wrong. Fulham scored two, and then Brentford got a late one. That's what I'm saying. Oh, so, the there fact, you go. There you go. That's the facts. <laughs> All right, guys, we are we're staying in Europe, and we're staying with soccer. We're going to uh, the competition that my team can only compete in because we're not good enough for Champions League right now. Uh, we're talking Europa League. Violin. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Such a struggling <laughs> fan. Uh, I act like I'm a Wolverhampton fan or something. Yikes. Um, so the uh, the quarterfinals were played at the Europa League. Shakhtar Donetsk yesterday rolled by FC Basel with a 4-1 win. Uh, they got a second-minute goal from Moraes. Put the Ukrainian side up, and they were really off from there. Um, rolled off three more goals. Basel got a, a late kind of consolation goal in stoppage time, but uh, this one was pretty clear from the start. Honestly, Donetsk had beaten Benfica and Wolfsburg in the, the first two rounds of the knockout rounds, so Basel was probably the easiest opponent that they got to uh, got to play, and um, they look good. They're, they're a good Ukrainian side, and I, I think they got a real legitimate chance. I think all four of these teams that are left have a legitimate chance. I don't think there's really any team that's like, oh, you're going to be – a real, real big surprise. But Donetsk rolls through Basel onto the semifinals where they will meet Antonio Conte's Inter Milan side who saw themselves get through over Bayer Levenkusen with a 2-1 win. Niccolo, Bar- Niccolo Barella and Romulu Lukaku scoring in the 15th and 21st minutes for Inter before the uh, famous Chelsea target Kai Havertz got one for the German side in the 25th minute. But 
besides that quick little 10 minute span between the 15th to the 25th minute, there were no other goals. It kind of, it kind of got a little boring after those three goals, but Inter was able to get through Bayer Leverkusen. They're looking to get their first European trophy since their treble winning year of 2010. We won't mention who they beat in the Champions League final. We're just yeah, let's not. Don't talk about it, guys. Gosh. <laughs> so Milan, Inter Milan will play Donetsk in the first semifinal. As for the other side of the bracket, uh, a battle between Wolverhampton and Sevilla stayed level until the 88th minute when Lucas Ocampos header gave Sevilla the lead and the win. Uh, it was it was sad to see the Wolves players. They were they were pretty dejected at that final whistle, rightfully so. Um, they, they battled well and, you know, to have to be level so, so long in the game and, and then see that losing goal get scored on him so late is tough. And you add on the fact that Raul Jimenez 13th minute penalty was saved by Bono. Um, you know, you're, you're always going to have that in the back of your head of, ah, what if we would have gotten that earlier goal? So sad, sad for them. Um, but tough to say Sevilla didn't really deserve to win. You know, I mean, it was, it was a toss up of a game. Um, I don't think Sevilla got lucky, but Wolverhampton certainly has has the right to be disappointed. And as I said, I think all four of these teams left uh, have a good chance to win. I would maybe lean towards Sevilla. Me and Yannick have talked about this before off off the podcast. Of this is Sevilla's competition. Um, yeah, <laughs> they've won it. They've won it five times, including three straight from 2014 to 2016. I don't even know how you do that. Like you get a Champions League berth by winning the Europa League. They had to get third in their group consecutive years and then just go on a tear in the knockout round. Um, so this is a club that somehow is just really good at winning the Europa League. And um, they may they may be adding their sixth title this year. And they will play, of course, Manchester United. My boys kind of squeaked out a, a 1-0 win over Copenhagen. Um Copenhagen had a couple of decent chances in the first half and honestly might may, maybe should have been up 1-0. Um, Mason Greenwood himself had had a goal taken away from a VAR decision, offsides decision, which was the right call. Second half of the match, United dominated, but as they've struggled before this year, they just couldn't get the quality in, in that final third to really put put the goal uh, in the net and and you know see – see themselves kind of separate themselves from Copenhagen as much as they dominated and as much as Copenhagen wasn't in the match in the second half, United couldn't get that final bit of play they needed to, to really grab the, grab the game and uh, put it to bed, which ended up with the the game going into extra time. Um, part of that too was, was unlucky. Bruno Fernandez and Mason Greenwood both saw shots go off the inside of the woodwork. Um, so, you know, an inch to the left or so, they probably would have been over. I can't believe years. either of those didn't go in. I, I watched them. It looked physically impossible. It, like it's nuts. I mean, a little bit of an unluckiness, but you know, that's, that's the game of soccer. Um, and it has to be said, Carl Johan Johnson or Johnson um, for Copenhagen was, was brilliant in goal. Uh, he did a t- tremendous job for them, really kept them in, in that match probably longer than, than they should have been um, with, with some impressive saves. And then in extra time, Anthony Martial able to draw a penalty uh, in the 95th minute. Bruno Fernandez steps up, calmly puts it away. That's his seventh goal in the Europa League. Yannick, if he's able to be the leading scorer in the Europa League, it'd be the first time 
since 2008 that Manchester United had the top score in a European competition back when Cristiano Ronaldo led the uh, Champions League in goals. And of course, United was able to take home the Champions League that year. So it's been a long, long time. And of course, some of those goals for Bruno Fernandes, most of those goals aren't even for Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Which is like hilarious part two. I wonder if that's ever happened before that a player who won a top score like started with one team and ended with another. I know. That'd be interesting to see. Well, because then I think for Champions League, like if you do the mid season transfer, like you're not allowed to play for your new team if your other team was in the Champions League, I believe. So must not be the same case for Europa League. Um, I mean, it was a great penalty by Fernandez, but it kind of highlights the issue of that United's had of having to rely too much on penalties. They were awarded the most, they had the most penalty goals ever in the premier league this year. Um, and, you know, I mean, rightfully given penalties are have to be given and, and you're going to take those goals always. But the last thing you want to rely on is, is getting penalties called and scoring from that. And if, um, if they can't really take advantage of the, of their chances and clean it up a bit and just be a little sharper in that final third, Sevilla's Sevilla's going to make them pay. Um, so they're, they're going to have to clean it up a bit. You know, they have the quality to do it, but, uh, they will, they'll have to perform a little better on Sunday. So we got Manchester United against Sevilla on Sunday, Inter Milan against Shakhtar Donetsk on Monday. Uh, and the winner of those two will be battling out for the Europa league championship. Yeah. See, yeah. I mean, it's Sevilla's tournament, so it's hard to bet against them ever. Oh, come on. You got to finish that. Are you kidding me? Like, do you even want the? Sorry, PSG has brought on Mbappe and Julian Draxler, so they should be crushing Atalanta now. And still, like That's he's a shooting horrible shot by Neymar. Right, he's shooting like he he's just learned the other day. Yeah. Like truthfully, anyway, I I think that you guys beat Sevilla. I do think you have the talent to beat Sevilla and the X factors. And then I think Romelu Lukaku breaks your heart in the final. <laughs> Dude, we're going to be playing Romulu. If, if they meet Inter in the final, it's Romulu Lukaku, Ashley Young, and Alexis Sanchez, who are all old Manchester. It's going to be a nice little reunion. Um, right. It'll be funny. Everyone would, would be, be like, this is weird. Yeah. This is very weird. And yeah, I mean, Europa League exciting this year. Inter Milan, Manchester United, and, and uh, Sevilla, obviously the kings of the Europa League. Very exciting semifinals. So it's going to be good to watch. Uh, for sure. Seems like Shaq- some of the bigger clubs have, have like, like before I remember the Europa League was always kind of like, you know, not that bad teams, but like certainly not the, the big time clubs um, when you think of soccer. And that's kind of, I feel like it's changed in recent years. Um, right. It, it has tonight. because soccer has developed in the countries where soccer is the best, like England, Germany, France, Spain, Italy. And so as soccer has kind of more money has been poured into soccer, you have like more than five teams being good. So instead of one of yeah. those teams being in the Europa League, you basically have every single team that is in very good. I mean, in Germany, you have like Frankfurt who, who beat Bayern the other year in DFB Pokal in the, in the Europa League. You have like Inter Milan, you'll have AC Milan and Napoli next year in the Europa League. I mean, just great teams. You'll have, um, the, um oh, Tottenham in the next year, you know, like, you know, decently big teams and still there's a lot, there's obviously like a dearth in quality because it's all the teams that are not at the top necessarily, but are close. But I I do think that it's only good. 
And and you still do get all those smaller teams who do get a chance to play in and show that they can do it still. Shakhtar Donetsk, I mean, they always are good in any European competition. They always do well. My thing with them is I've been waiting a whole, a whole oh, let's go, Neymar. Come on. Speed pass. Yeah, he, he's not going to do it. But um, Shakhtar Donetsk, I've been waiting like a decade and a half for them to capitalize on their good play and do something, and they still haven't. So my guess is they get ousted pretty comfortably by Inter Milan, even if it wasn't Inter Milan. They just kind of can't ever get that last step. And uh, yeah, let's finish out the soccer here. MLS is back final was yesterday. And what a great tournament it was. So exciting from start to finish. I didn't think it was going to happen, but it did. And it did not disappoint. The final was between the Portland Timbers and the Orlando City FC. And uh, yeah, I I told before this one, you asked me who's going to win. I said the Portland Timbers, and they did not disappoint. Portland Timbers were just clearly the better team. Top three in my in my opinion, in in the entire MLS. And they won all by, you know, Nani kind of forced an equalizer in there halfway. I think they won pretty comfortably, in my opinion. Um, Suparic and Mabiala scoring uh, for the Timbers and Pereira scoring for Orlando City. But I think this tournament did great things for Orlando City. I think they can kind of go back into the season, which starts tonight with FC Dallas against Nashville, the two teams that couldn't play. They're going to play a three-game series in order to open the new MLS season. And I think they can go in. Oh, they got a score here. Come on, guy. Wow. Disappointing. Sorry. Uh, I think that they can go into the next season and, and really compete for like a top spot and probably even go into the playoffs. I definitely think that's something that they can and will do. Portland Timbers, I, they're my second best team in the league besides LAFC. And uh, I think they showed that and were very consistent. And, uh, you know, Blanco and Valeri, be- you know, better than ever somehow, even though they've been doing it for so long. And, yeah, what did we learn other than that? You know, bad teams are getting better. And um, Minnesota United FC played very well, got to the semifinal. Orlando City got to the final. And I think it shows that, like, these new Teams can, like, in a couple years, I mean, obviously Atlanta's like an outliner and so is LFC, but, like, new teams can, like, be somewhere in, in, a, in a year or two. So I think it's only good news for expansion teams. Classic contenders, though, they need some transition times. I'm looking at LA Galaxy and Atlanta United, who have been these contenders for the last couple of years. Atlanta United need to find who they are without Josef Martinez. And uh, LA Galaxy have had problems for a couple of years now, and Ibrahimovic just kind of passed it over it a little bit, but... They need to have an identity. They they haven't had one in a while. And so they need to kind of find their groove as well. But as before the tournament, it so is after LAFC, the best team in the MLS. Yeah, I think, I mean, the start of the MLS, it kind of had that. I mean, to be fair, there weren't a ton of teams, but certainly had more the the feel of of other soccer leagues. I mean, I love I love watching Premier League, Bundesliga, well, I, I love it, but it really is a haves and have-nots. You know, le- yep. part of part of Leicester winning wasn't even just the fact that it was Leicester. It was just like it wasn't one of these teams that always wins. Um, in the first, you know, decade or so, probably even maybe two decades of of MLS was kind of had that same setup of like 
the haves and have nots, the LA Galaxy, DC United, Houston Dynamo. Um, but I think it I think it's it's starting to, to form a little more similar to more American sports where there's there's a little bit of a fluctuation of of who's the best. And I think I hope it goes that way because I think that lets MLS stand differently from other leagues in international soccer um, and gives it kind of its own flair of, I'm not just like, all right, here's, here's who you can expect year in year out. And if one of these four teams doesn't win it, it's going to be shocking. Um, so I hope, I hope all these teams keep getting better. It seems like they are. Um, and I think that's, I think that's definitely a good, good omen for the MLS. And I think it'll make the, uh, make the entire league just more enjoyable to watch. I do think so too. And I think what the MLS should do is kind of do what the XFL is for the NFL. You know, not an amateur league, but a league where if you feel like you're not getting the opportunity that you need in Europe, you can go to the MLS, show what you have, and then hopefully, you know, get signed by a better team. And I think that's a very viable path for a lot. I mean, I I can think of so many players off the top of my head. Like, I don't know, Mario Goetze was being courted by Inter Miami, who's coming into the league. And I don't know for the life of me why he declined it. Not like he has anything really to offer outside of the MLS. Like, he's not been super great since he scored the World Cup winner. Yeah. So I don't know why you would deny it because, you know, I, I think he doesn't want to leave Germany, which is, like, fair. You know, he's got, like, a wife. And so that's, like... Fair, fair, fair. But I think it would be great for a player like Goetze who needs some confidence, can go to the MLS, honestly score 15 goals, get like 10 assists, help a team to a championship, and then get a team to sign him and feel good going into it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the, of course, you know, Beckham's Beckham's coming to the league helped, you know, pave the way for, for others such as Pirlo, Jogba, Lampard for a year. But all those guys are, I mean, even Blas Matuidi, who just signed with uh, with Inter Miami, all of them are, are, you know, past their their prime. You know, they're 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 coming as a victory lap. Um, and they're, they've been great for the league for sure because they are still high profile names, uh, and some of them have had some good seasons in the MLS. But but I agree, if you can get guys, you can get just some of those European players, some of those guys that have just a little more skill set, who also aren't you know, in their twilight years, I think it could go a long way. Um, you saw it sort of with a guy like Sebastian Giovinco, um, but I think even more, a little more quality, or even just like you said, some young guys that are like trying to trying to get their their feet. Um, it'd, be, it'd be great. Yeah, I just feel like there's so many guys who, you know, everybody's discovered when they're 18, 19 now. So what about all those players from the ages of 19 to 23 that never really got that status? Right. Like come to the U S play until you're 25. People will see what you can do and not just like languish on some 10th plates team that like you're on the bench and come in every so often for, and uh, be the star and then get signed and you still have six, seven good years. And I think yeah. that is, is what should, oh, that's a the lot thing. Of like you said, like I, I think a lot of those guys, instead of languishing at you know at Southampton, you could probably come to the MLS and be one of the best players. Right, exactly, and not be like Pierre Emil Hoisberg, who just didn't end up being anybody. Played for Southampton, and now he signed for Tottenham, which is okay, I guess. But he had to wait until he was like twenty-seven, and it's like, uh... yeah. 
hopefully the MLS will be, keep on becoming more and more appealing. Uh, I mean, I understand even a few years ago why a lot of those guys wouldn't consider it, but I think I think the league's doing more and more to to make itself more of an appealing place to come and play. So we hope that is the case. All right, we've we've covered all the soccer news that we need to cover. Now we are making our way to the Octagon. UFC 252 this weekend. It's Daniel Cormier. It's Stipe Miocic. It's going to be an absolute battle between the two of them. Um, I mentioned it before. It, truly one of the biggest fights in UFC history. Uh, it, it's the rubber match between those guys. Of course, Stipe has the most heavyweight defensive ever with three. That streak was broken by Daniel Cormier in their first matchup. Cormier getting a first-round knockout. Daniel Cormier, on the other hand, first UFC fighter to ever hold the heavyweight and light heavyweight titles. That heavyweight uh, crown he had was taken back by Stipe Miocic in their second fight when Miocic was able to get able to get a fourth round KO over Cormier. Uh, this one's going to be one for the ages. And, you know, I, when you talk about fighting, boxing, UFC, whatever – Part of the reason boxing's lost some of its luster is because when you think about the big fights and the big fighters of all time, whether you're a boxing fan or not, they're heavyweights. The guys like Tyson, the guys like Ali, uh, George Foreman, they, they were the heavyweight fighters. The heavyweight weight class, whether you know it or not, is the weight class that you want to watch fight. Um, and Stipe and, and Cormier are two of the best, I think, ever. They've had two fights already that were terrific fights. And this one is going to be it's, – it's going to be so much fun to watch. If you're able to get it on the pay-per-view, I highly, highly suggest it. Um, I'm not even really going to talk about the other fights because Junior Dos Santos and Rosenstruck have, have another heavyweight fight that's there that's probably worth watching. Um, but this one really is all about Miocic and Cormier. I will say Sean O'Malley, uh, bantamweight fighter, he's got a fight against Marlon Vera. O'Malley's 12-0, 14th ranked bantamweight fighter, and also is just like one of the funnest fighters to watch. Um, gets a decent amount of KOs for the bantamweight as well. Uh, he's won his last two fights from, from knockouts. Certainly one of the fastest rising stars and fighters in the UFC and in the bantamweight class. Um, so that's the last main card fight before the title fight between Miocic and Cormier. Um, but yeah, this one... The rest of the card, it honestly could be a, a great card, and I still would be like, it, just just watch Miocic and Cormier. Make sure you're tuned in. It's it's going to be a bloodbath between two of the all-time greats, truly. Pay-per-view, right? It is. It is ESPN Plus pay-per-view. Um, if you want to know just how close this fight is, I checked the other day, and the odds were both of them at minus 11, so literally just a toss-up. Right now, Miocic is barely, barely favored. He's minus 105. Cormier is minus 115. Uh, so this one is, is truly a toss-up. Vegas has no idea who's going to win. Nobody knows who's going to win. Uh, and how could you after the first two fights are both knockouts between that they split? Um, it's it's going to be an incredible fight. Oh, PSG just grabbed the winner. Uh, not the winner, sorry, the equalizer. Crazy. There we go, Marquinhos. Oh, my goodness. That was such they a did, difference. They deserved it. They did. They they fought for it, so it'll be good. But, yeah, going back to it, I love Daniel Cormier. And I love – I've never loved two, two fighters pretty equally. I know. Honestly. 
Like most, for you, most fights, it's all, like you always are like, oh, like I want this dude to like Usman and Masvidal. I'm not a Masvidal guy. I want to Usman yeah. to win. Uh, I guess Gaethje Ferguson was a t- was kind of a toss up for me, but I, I totally agree. Yeah, it's going to be a great fight. I'm going to buy it. I have to. I think I I I don't have a choice. I can't. I'm not going to. I won't forgive myself if I don't see that fight. Like I'm. I won't forgive myself. Yeah. And honestly, you know what? You know what it's going to be. It's Saturday. It's going to be the day after the Byron game. So it's either going to be my treat to myself because I'm <laughs> so, so depressed, or you need to see. Somebody's gonna get their ass beat, right? Yeah, or it's gonna be my victory lap. So either way, I'm watching. It. It's gonna be great. All right, I think, I think we have. To, I think we have to pick it. Who are you taking? I think I have to pick Daniel Cormier. I I just think it's so even that I have to go with who has more to you know he's coming off a loss and i just think that's gonna make mean a big deal so i just mentality i'm gonna go with the mentality angle and pick daniel cormier just because they're too even to need to pick them for any other thing that i can think of i'll go i'll go stipe but yeah i mean i think it truly is it's like heads or tails flip a coin and pick one of them uh but i'll take miocic you got cormier uh and i'm sure we're gonna be having some good discussions about it it's gonna be a hell of a fight Oh yeah. If you, I mean, if you have any, if you have any interest whatsoever and you miss this fight, good luck finding another fight like, like this in the next five years. Like truly, this is the world cup final. Gotta, gotta be there. Yeah. So, so going to be an absolute uh, great fight between Cormier and Miocic. Uh, Jan, we move to more of the, uh, the drama side of of sports and that is college football oh, and everything boy. that's going on with there of course uh big 10 and pac 12 have both decided to i guess not technically cancel football they are uh holding out hope i guess for for spring football uh meanwhile the sec big 12 and acc as of now are still going on as planned hoping to have have fall football uh but it's it's a big old cluster beep. Just the, the whole thing is, is an absolute mess. It is. It is. And honestly, I, I don't know if I have the right answer for like oh, no. what, what should not, have been done. We're not going to even try to attempt that. Right. So I'm not here criticizing with like there's an obvious thing and they're stupid. But – I, I just don't understand either choice. Like, how could you, as the SEC, for example, say that you're going to have a season where 90% of the states where your school's at have COVID cases rising up the wazoo? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. The Big Ten made a little more sense because some of those Midwest places are fine, you know, but I, I, I don't quite understand that. And then... How can you, as the Big Ten, say you're going to try to have a spring season? Like, just cancel it. Like, try to have a spring season. What, you're going to have a spring season, wait two months, and then have a fall season? Who do you think is going to play in that spring season? The only people that are going to play are the people that, like, need to be there because they don't have another choice because they're not going to get drafted. Like, the big players, the top 60 players oh, that would not. be drafted are not going to play. They're not playing. They're not playing. Absolutely. Why would I as <laughs> – right, exactly. Like, there's no way – and I just think this speaks, we've talked about it before. This speaks to 
the you know double standard of the NCAA and they're they have to make this decision knowing they're not only deciding based on safety and based on money but they're also deciding based on reputation of like how can we make a decision and spin it so that we don't have to accept that these are athletes not student athletes yeah for sure yeah i mean i i think totally agree i mean i i'm not I don't think either of us are coming here saying here, here's the plan that you do. This is what you implement because it is an extremely convoluted and difficult thing to, to figure out. I think we both, we both can see that a hundred percent, but these, you know, these people that are supposed to be quote unquote leaders of the conferences of the NCAA of, of, of all these organizations have shown very little leadership throughout this. Um, and, you know, I've, I understand maybe there's the idea too of you you want to get all the information, but they they just they just have not handled it well. Um, and I, I don't like I, these 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 athletes deserve to have a little more transparency. I think through it all, um, you know, I, I love and I love. I mean, I think we all would love football to happen, um, but at the same time, like if some of these conferences, obviously most of the mid majors aren't going to happen. Uh, and even without them, but especially without some of the major conferences, if the SEC, ACC, Big 12 still play, yeah, I guess it'll be nice to have some college football. But I, I think I would rather have no football. Like it's going to it's gonna feel so weird to only have some of the teams competing. Uh, and I, I think no matter what, like say those three conferences play it out, they're able to do a college football playoff, I guess, between those three there's no way you're not putting an asterisk next to whoever wins that national championship. Like you can't like, right. They didn't compete against everybody. They didn't have the full competition. Um, and it's, it's, so it's just like, it, I, I almost am like, don't give me half the pie if, if I can't have the full, cause it's just not going to feel the same way. Um, right. Exactly. And I just think, I just think I, I do have a solution. And my solution is that whatever decision that you are going to make, you have a big Justice League meeting of all the college football programs and you decide. You decide. You take a vote on it, like the, the House of Representatives and whatever the vote says goes. And then in terms of like figuring out coronavirus stuff, you isolate maybe to a couple stadiums if that's what you need to do. But I, I just think... There needed to be a unanimous decision. And like the U.S. has struggled because of states doing what they want, college football is now going to struggle because of conferences doing what they want. And yeah. Well, isn't that the point of like the NCAA? Like, wh- why do you what? exist NCAA if you're not supposed to be like overseeing all this stuff? Like what are you yeah. doing? Yeah, uh, you wa- you're there to like hate on players for making money off of their own appearance. But as soon as you actually need to be leaders, it's like, nah, nothing. we can't do yeah. that. Yeah, we good. We'll, no, we'll be over here. You guys, good luck. Yeah. And like, you know, I get, I totally understand all these players want to play. Uh, and I, I will, I would say that most college athletes, as far as 18 to 22 year olds go, probably are a little more mature than most 18 to 22 year olds. They're still 18 to 22 year olds. Uh, and, and also it doesn't just involve them. You know, you have to have every coach to be down. You have to have the referees to be down. You have to have a TV crews that are going to film. I mean, because the outrage is that people aren't going to be able to watch football. Like nobody's going to be outraged or people will still like not care if they're like, Oh, the games are going to go on, but you're not going to be able to watch it. Like 
foreseeably all these people that are upset that it might not happen have the idea that the TV is going to be showing these games. So then you need a TV crew. Now, I don't know, maybe all these TV crews, maybe all these refs, maybe every single coach is down. Um, and, and maybe they're all in to do it. That might be the case. But it's not just the player's decision. And as far as like people are like, well, 18 to 22-year-olds aren't at risk to like get COVID and, and die and such. Most refs and coaches and maybe TV crew aren't 18 to 22-year-olds. So you're probably going to get some people that are in that more at-risk uh, part of it. And there's no way they can tell me that a team is going to stay in the bubble as much as they want. But there's only so many refs and there's only so many camera crews and TV crews. There's no way you're going to be able to implement any sort of bubble. Like no. if, if you've got your own separate bubble, but other people don't have a bubble, then there's no bubble. That, that bubble doesn't exist. Right. Exactly. And if you were to create a bubble, even if you could create a bubble for every single fucking team in college football, which are there's not 18 of them like in hockey, right? It's it, yeah. in, in professional hockey. There's hundreds. So even if you could institute the bubble there, every time every single team left their bubble, they'd have to be tested. Do you know how much COVID testing that is to get through a whole season or even a less season? You'd have to take all the COVID testing from the rest of the country. How is that going to happen? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And yeah, I'm kind of on the same line. I just think it's too complicated to, to institute correctly. Would I like to have found a solution? Yes, it's obvious there isn't one right now. And I think it just should have been canceled across the board. And to the people on TV saying like, well, the winner was going to come from the SEC every way. Like, fuck you. Like, that's all I have to say. Like, that's such a dumb thing to say. And I I just don't, I don't agree with that whatsoever. Um, have you heard of a little team called, oh, I don't know, Ohio State? Yeah. So like, why don't we like yeah. not say that? And I understand what you're saying. Like, oh, you want football and like, well, we have most of the, shut up. And second of all, I do understand the argument that a lot of players have made and a lot like former players that are now analysts that have made that like, well, these kids, like, it's not just about the football. It's like how they stay safe and stay out of trouble. And you know what? I, I agree. And I wish that that was, I wish that it was simple enough so we could give that <clears throat> to all these players. But shouldn't we look at the fact that that is something we're talking about as like a bigger problem in itself that like, right. Like that all these football players need to be playing football. Otherwise they're going to commit crimes. That's what you're saying. Or, and it's or just like, like, or like party all the time. I'm like, I'm like, they don't have enough. Like you're telling me these guys are disciplined enough to, if the season happens, they're, they're going to be perfectly behaved, never go out and, and put themselves at risk of getting COVID or anything. But if it doesn't happen, then all hell is going to break loose. Like that's right. what you're it, like. It's an either or. That doesn't make much sense to me. It doesn't. And and for the people that are saying they're going to go, you know, they live in low income neighborhoods and it's they live in the bad parts of town or whatever like that. And I'm like, well, why don't you go and support legislation that pumps more money into those low income places before you talk to me about like, well, football is their only savior. Like you know, like that's not an argument for me either. So I do understand what is being said. But that's just like a factor that sucks. It's not like, and, it, and it's also for these, for the players that are like, well, what about the players? Like, this is their year. You know what? I sympathize. 100%. I sympathize. And it sucks. And it will it be something that sucks? 
absolutely. But that's the world we're in right now. Everybody is is having to sacrifice something. You know, I wish you I wish that wasn't the case. But like for everybody that is in their 20s, this year is vital because that's just how your 20s are. Like no matter career wise what you're I mean, we're both in the arts. Who knows what our careers are going to be like because of this. But like that doesn't mean that you can't be safe about things. You know, that doesn't mean that you can ignore the truth of where, where we're at. But then you shouldn't be bellyaching about the Big Ten deciding not to play football. You should be bellyaching that we elected an idiot that couldn't get this disease under control so that we can even talk about this right now. Because, spoiler alert, this was supposed to be over three months ago. Yeah, I mean, if the whole country hadn't had the argument of, should we take this seriously? Instead of just taking it seriously, then, like, it wouldn't still be a pain in the ass. And, you know, I think you bring up the good point, too, of the arts. And I think... This too is like maybe not my biggest issue because I 100% feel for these football players. And I 100% understand that this is, these games help move them into their career. And also, they just mean a lot. A lot of theater students probably aren't going to be doing plays and musicals. A lot of volleyball players aren't going to be playing volleyball. The only thing that people are getting a gripe about is football. I, I'm, this isn't me coming for them in that sense it's just again highlighting the fact that these guys they're not student athletes because if they're student athletes the thing we should be getting concerned about is that they're all going to class not playing football but we're concerned that they're playing football and just them not other sports not other like things that you're interested in not not choirs not actors not any of that sort of thing and, and, and I'm not upset about that, that the football has a lot of interest. What I'm saying is they're not the same. Like the NCAA wants to pretend like student athletes are just this one giant same group. They're not. College football is a massive money-making machine, popular machine. So if these guys are athletes, then let's start treating them like athletes. Like I hope they still – like I think the Big Ten and, and the Pac-12 partly – I'm not sure they had to make this decision yet, but I think they did because they started hearing grumblings of unionizing and they started realizing like if you've got players on campus for football games, but you don't have students on campus for, for classes, then they're they're not not student athletes. And clearly you're putting the athlete as the most important thing, which I'm fine with, but it's time to start actually treating them in that fashion. These guys are amateur. This is amateurism. This this isn't some free like workforce anymore because they make far too much money for your universities and and are just extremely popular. And I, I got no problem with that. I love football. Obviously, we're here talking about sports, but it's they're not all the same. And it's time to differentiate these sports. It's time to differentiate the the student athlete because it's it's just a fallacy. And I think those conferences are making those decisions far more to protect themselves than to protect these players or anything. For sure. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, we've been bellyaching about the, I love that word bellyaching. Yeah. Uh, we've been bellyaching about the, about the NCAA for as long as this podcast has been on. And I just think that schools are arguing that if they don't have one football, not even like, more than one football season. I'm saying that they don't have one football season that their schools are going to go into ruin. And you know what? If your school is making that much money that it basically relies on the football team, 
I'm looking at you, Alabama, then the fact that you like don't find yourself disgusting for like having this free slave labor basically do your work for you is is disgusting. Yeah. Especially like you don't let them do anything. I'm mean, we're not asking you to pay them millions and millions of dollars. We're asking you to pay them, period. Yeah. Honestly. Figure out a system that underpays them. That's something better. Like honestly, it's not that hard to find a good solution. You just don't want to because you want to create this illusion that, yeah, whatever. You want, you want the money to funnel to you. And I mean, it's not even just Alabama. It's Iowa. It's it's all these programs yeah. that make millions and millions of dollars every year. As soon as they have to start paying the players, that money's going, you know, losing from somewhere. Uh, and that's, that's the only thing they care about. Uh, and it, it's unfortunate because these guys deserve to get paid. Um, and... Yeah, it's just like because it's this argument about we want to play. I haven't heard anybody battling about field hockey or college golf or college hockey. Right. It's literally just football. So if it's a different sort of element or a different animal, then when are we going to really start treating it like that different animal that it is? For sure. Absolutely. And honestly, that it, it speaks to a larger concern of. I honestly, I find leadership of universities almost as corrupt as like politicians. Like truthfully, they are some bad people in leadership all over the country, leading universities that are supposed to have their students' interests in mind and they only have their own. And the fact that those kinds of people are in leadership of these decisions is really disgusting. And I hope that we it's something that we can look into and fix. I mean, we've we've had it at Iowa. We know what that's like. Yeah. It's, it's- well, I mean, when you run a university that's supposed to be a place of education, like a business, instead of a place of education, like the, what are we what are we doing? Like I, I understand yeah. the place of education needs to make money because you you need to pay people, you need to keep facilities. I understand that base part of it, but there's also the part of it of like a lot of people are lining their pockets fat with money, and the money's not going where it should be going. Right, exactly. It's different to you know run a school with business in mind than to run a school for the interest of business. You know, that's a completely different things. And if you're working for a university and you're doing it for yourself, please resign. You're doing everybody a service. And (laughs) why are you there? And honestly, why are you there? To make money. Same with politicians. Go to another job. (laughs) Become a stockbroker that no one has to care about you and you don't have to care about anyone else. We expect you to be a greedy scumbag then. We're fine with it. Whatever. At least be open and honest about it. That's all we ask for. Oh my goodness. But yeah, I think it's just such a mess. And in a, in a season of coronavirus where the MLB is messing up as bad as they are, and for them to be the ones messing it up the second worst, yeah. that's just so funny to me. Well, then, you know, you're like, that's oh, so the structure funny. of sports. Well, the structure of sports, as we mentioned earlier, didn't really help the Cleveland Indians and their pitchers. Uh, Luke Williams Gosh. still decided to go get some wings. Like, I, so how am I supposed to believe that that all these kids – I mean, 18 to 22-year-olds are kids, whether they're college athletes or not. They're, they're kids. And how am I supposed to have total faith that all of them are going to be perfect uh, throughout this when we've seen, quote-unquote, grown-ass men not, not do it? Uh, but- right, exactly. You're telling me that you don't, res- you don't 
trust them enough to not have them play football, but you do trust them enough to not leave a bubble. Yeah. Like, what is Come it? On, Which guys. one is it? Like, you, you like, can't have it both ways. Right, exactly. Yeah, but, I mean, we do. Oh, we boy. feel. I mean, I totally. I I feel for all of them. You know, most of my critiques of of them are not. I get it. I get why these eighteen to twenty two year old. I get why these kids want to play, and we both want them to play too. But I had a, I had a dumbass tweet the other day about wanting to do something and having it be the right thing isn't the same thing. Uh, I would love to eat a full cheesecake, but I've got type one diabetes, so eating a full <laughs> cheesecake isn't really the smartest thing. But yes, uh, exactly. I, 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 and for maybe maybe they're able to figure out a spring thing. May, I I don't know. Um, I hope there's no like rushing in to put anything at danger. But I think I, I kind of also think there's no, if the players, if you can, if they can be a little more transparent with the other groups, the players, and like I said, the refs, the TV crews, and maybe things do get better in a couple months, then maybe there is a possibility. So I, I think there is a little bit of too quick on the trigger by Pac-12 and Big Ten. But at the, on the same coin, I hope that the, those other conferences don't force the games. Right. And for the players, I, I, I so don't blame the players for any of this. The players are just trying to figure out what's best for them because it should be because it's about them. Absolutely. I will just say for the players saying, you know, there's a lot of players coming out and saying, what, so I can go to school, but I can't play football. Um, we don't want you to go to school. Yeah. Like, actually, in fact, we don't want you to be there either. So that's my answer to that is like, you're right. That's messed up. And we don't want that. either. Uh, truly. Also, like we Gosh. said, um, you are apparently supposed to be a student athlete. So, but fingers crossed that you know, who knows? This is it's it's another mess in this COVID thing. So many sports have been able to to kind of go off, but but I mean, I think the biggest difficulty is this is this whole amateurism student at like you know since they're not professionals, that's what's creating the biggest sort of uh, hiccup in this. But we will keep our eyes and ears on all college football news uh it's been it's been a blast as always yannick it's time for shout out time who are you shouting out this week oh you go i gotta shout out my boy Eunice corpusalo last night my goodness <laughs> columbus blue jackets keeper 85 saves a, a hockey record i know you grabbed the lost boy but you know say it with your chest yeah 85 saves that is remarkable and not because the lightning didn't throw literally everything they could at you because they did you held nikita kucherov more times than any man has ever held nikita kucherov so congratulations corpus absolutely very very <laughs> impressive hey there's the scarlet uh wow always during the shout out she wants she to be the shout, shout out. out she wants she just wants to, to talk i'll miss we'll miss having her on as a guest i've got i've got a little less yeah. than a month with her as as a guest on the show all right, my shout out. We mentioned him earlier. It's Damian Lillard. Just had his third 60 point game of the season. He is now one of six players ever to have multiple 60 point games uh, in, in a season. Will, actually, I think just in general, uh, Wilt Chamberlain, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Elgin Baylor, James Harden. Yeah, actually, it's just in general. Pardon me. Um, the best thing about that list, too, of, of the, all six of those players that have had multiple 60 point games. All of them have less than 10, except Wilt. And Wilt's got like 30 or 40 something. <laughs> Wilt's like, Wilt, Wilt's like this is a record that will not be caught. 
Uh, first Blazers right. player ever to score 50 points in back-to-back games. And another Wilt Chamberlain record, because I, I forgot about this. He's the only the second player ever to have three or more 60-point games in a season. So that previous list of six players was just 60-point games in general. Uh, Damian Lillard, his third 60-point game, he joins Wilt as the only guys to have that many or more. Of course, Wilt had like 10 a couple times. Wilt averaged 50 points one season, so... Right. Anytime I look at Will Chamberlain's statistics, I'm like, this feels fake. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, the other centers at the time were like six eight, six nine. So not that not that Will isn't great, but the he he did have a heads up on the uh, competition. Hey, but um, bumps. But even most importantly, you know, with that scoring, he really has spearheaded the Blazers into that eighth seed. He he's put the team on his back, so to say. Um, and they look pretty, pretty set in at least making that playoff for for that last seed. Um, so Dame Lillard, you are the shout out. And now it's time to put Yannick back on the hot seat. It's the quick fire questions. I'm so nervous. I hate this. All right, Yannick. <laughs> Some they're, no, they're yeah. fun this time. Okay. Who is your MVP for the NBA season? Are you saying who's going to be who's, crowned who's MVP? Who do you think is the MVP? Who's mine? Are we counting? We're counting everything. Pre, be, we're counting everything. Oh, God. Every damn game that's been played. Okay. I think I have to give it to Giannis Atenecompo again. I do. He was so dominant before coronavirus. The only reason he didn't take it to every single team in, in the bubble is because he truly didn't have to. And he was resting himself for the playoffs in which he will dominate again. I mean, that first game he played the Celtics, my Celtics. And truthfully, we played the best defensive game ever and still got schlacked by him. Like, I I just, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him a little bit. The only reason we all had any hope was because he almost fouled out. That's the only way that you stop him. And I just, such a dominant player. You know, I, I, I tip my hat, obviously, to LeBron James, you know, the transition that he's had from a different, you know, type of player. Uh, but I, I do give it to Giannis. I agree. Yeah. I mean, even even a guy like LeBron, as much as he impacts both sides of the court, I, I, there's there's been few players I've ever seen that impact the offensive and defensive. I mean, he might win defensive player of the year, too. Uh, and he, he, he impacts both. both sides of the court dramatically. Um, for the Bucks, he's he's one heck of a player. All right, second question: You have the first pick in a fantasy football draft. Who are you taking, and why? Okay, I. Oh, this is so hard. Okay, so. This is so hard. You said these were fun. They are fun. Not fun. (laughs) Okay, so here's what I'll say. I don't know. Like, I'm going to start this by saying I hate drafting quarterbacks before the fifth round because I just think there's so many good ones. And what's the point? I find it very hard not to take Patrick Mahomes. I just find it very... You had him on your team. You called it from day one that he was going to make your team, yeah. and he did. Yeah, and it was just like I thought. I thought he would, you know, be the main point, but he 
brought you to the final. A quarterback brought you to the final. I find it so hard to not pick him. My only other player that I might pick would be Christian McCaffrey simply because of his, uh, you know, kind of effect on and off the, you know, the running and the passing. And I mean, just he's everything. And I think even though Teddy Bridgewater's there and can spread the ball out more than Anderson could and that Newton was injured and all that, that I think that Kim, uh, Christian McCaffrey's still going to be such a focal point for a Carolina Panthers team that's sure. still kind of de- devoid of offensive options. So on my, on my, Gun to my head because of my morals as as like how I feel about fantasy football. I'm picking Christian McCaffrey, but I know I would immediately regret it. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, I think I feel like every year it's always like there's always like three or so running backs that are like really in contention. But I feel like this year, like more often than like ever before. Mahomes and I think even like Lamar Jack, like I think people are at least going to be like considering taking them. I don't think I would well, do plus, it yeah, because I don't know if, especially Lamar, I don't know if they like recreate that year that they had as explosive as it was. But I think at the very least you, ha- you have to consider them, which is unusual in fantasy football. Right. I'm saying if I have six pick or lower in our, and also kind of to preview something in next week's episode, I'm actually going to be doing a draft order pick for me and Matt's league live at the end of the episode. So we will see what picks we have and we can talk about them then. But I'm saying if I have, you know, pick six or lower, I'm picking Mahomes. I think that that, that's my thing. If I can't get a top five, I'm picking Mahomes. If Mahomes and Lamar Jackson like make it out of the top 10 and or top 12, I guess depends on how many people you've got in your league. um, It would surprise me. Like I, if I have a late first round pick and either of them's on the board, I think I'm, I think I'm taking them. Right. Exactly. If I'm, if I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's just going to be, Someone's going to get real lucky at the end of a draft because they're going to pick like the ninth pick is going to pick a crazy good receiver like Michael Thomas and then on the back get Mahomes or Lamar because he dropped. And that's just going to be crazy. And I can't wait for it. Truly, I've even seen uh, good old George Kittle being talked about as a a first round pick. Oh, we love. Yeah, I'd love that. All right. George Kittle for president. This one. This one is, I think, fun. Okay, (laughs) let's say. Xavi Hernandez gets hired by Barcelona. Which ex-midfielder has the best managerial career at their old club? Xavi, Andrea Pirlo, or Frank Lampard? Oh, Andrea Pirlo. I'm saying Andrea Pirlo. I think Frank Lampard is doing great things for Chelsea, I will say. Do I think Frank Lampard takes Chelsea to a Premier League title? No. I think that he's close. I think he can bring Chelsea within those top two. Fine. I don't think he brings them there. I don't think they can't compete in the Champions League. I think they are a little better than they are now, which is still good. And I think he develops the team for like a good five years before he, you know, moves on. And Xavi Hernandez, I, I, it's hard for me to say. I think, I think that Barcelona team needs a lot of rebooting and it's hard for me to say without seeing him there what's going to happen also he's going to be getting there in the last maybe year of Lionel Messi being there so it's going to be hard for them to recover after that they're going to realize just how much they've been depending on him but Andrea Pirlo went into Juventus and said hey just so y'all know I'm not putting up with your bullshit (laughs) all of you can go 
Your midfield is terrible. I mean, Blaze Matuidi was out of there in two seconds. He was out of there in two seconds. And I love it because it's what I told you. Yes, you got Cristiano and Dybala. Everybody else can go. All of the others, Gonzalo Higuain can go. Because you know why? Because they're not playing well. And he doesn't mess around. And I love that. Going into a team and being like, hey, I know we won, but that doesn't mean that we don't need to change everything. Like we do, and we're going to, and I don't care if I'm new, I'm doing what I want. I like it. Love it. I like it. It'll be fun. It. It'll be fun. I mean, I like that you don't see that as much in, in I mean, I, I don't know. I, I probably haven't watched soccer long enough, like decades wise to, to maybe make this comment, but you certainly don't see in like American sports. I don't think like those, like Pirlo, Chavi and Lampard are three of the best midfielders of, of my lifetime that I've gotten to see. And you usually don't see like those all-time great players, like Dwayne Dwayne Wade's, of course, doing some commentating for TNT. He's got no interest in going and coaching the Miami Heat. So I think it's so dope that you've got these all-time great players coming back uh, and taking it over uh, on the managerial side of things. It'll be fun to watch. I love It'll be it. Fun to watch uh, all three of them. I guess Chavi. I mean Chavi and uh, Frank Lampard. I think Lampard had like one year at Derby County and Chavi was what in like Abu Dhabi for a couple of years yeah. while Pirlo, it'll, it's going to be his, his first season as a manager. And even those times that Chavi and Frank had were very short stints. So they're kind of all new to the managerial game as well. Not even just, you know, at this helm of, of top clubs, but just in general as, as managers. So it'll be fun to watch them. All right. Yannick, yeah. You survived the quick fire questions. You survive another episode. I mean, I mean that to the fans. Good, good work, guys. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I do want to say one more thing because I want to manifest it into the air. And I love, don't get me wrong, I love, I love, love uh, Hansi Flick as the Bayern Munich coach. But I can't wait six years from now when you have Andrea Pirlo at Juventus, Frank Lampard at Chelsea, Xavi Hernandez at Barcelona and Bastian Schweinsteiger as the coach of Bayern Munich. That's what I want. That's what I need. And I am here for it. Philip Lom can be the president. Miroslav Klose can be the striker coach. That's all I need. I would, I would love that. <laughs> it would Who be wouldn't great. Enjoy that. Everybody. It would be fun. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us as always here on two beers, please. We appreciate you listening. Hoping you had as much fun as we did today talking and listening to sports. Uh, stay safe out there. Wear a mask. Register to vote. That's what Yannick always says, so I figured I'd just steal his thing. What else is there, like, safety things to do? Have fun. Uh, Put a smile on your fun. face. Um, go help a neighbor. But I guess we like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's going to be my right? thing. Yeah, that could be your up, condom. Wrap it up. Go listen to the Wrap song WAP by uh, Megan The Stallion and Cardi B. Oh, yeah, my gosh. Cool. Oh, my gosh. Go listen to the song and then go listen to that <laughs> hero and his take on the song. <laughs> if you ever needed Ben Shapiro to tell you that he can't turn his wife on, uh, which I didn't really need to. I think I got that from, from Ben Shapiro already. But it's nice that he was so open about it and, and let us know. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us here on Two Beers, please. Yannick, you got anything else? Um, I do have one thing. Uh, 
actually, I've got two things. Remember to follow and subscribe on, on all your social media sites and Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. Be honest, but also give us a five. That's the honesty there. And uh, one more thing. One more thing. If Matt's episode gets more views and listens than my episode, I will take it personally. I just want everyone to know that I will take it personally. But I'll respect it. Matt, you did great. You did. You did. You killed it. You killed it. And I'm very learned from the best. Ah, see, that's how. Be nice. There you go. Hey, (laughs) my dad's podcast. I don't know what he talks about. Oh my gosh, that's medical medical dad, stuff and like farming. It would be an interesting podcast, actually. My dad's got some some varied interests. Yeah, my dad would give a podcast, and people would run him out of town because of how boring it is. Because it's computer graphics, so it would be really cool for some people. But then my dad tends to overexplain things any, every, oh, anyway. Yeah. So that podcast oh, no, is eighty years. He's a dad. That's what we do. We're just, we're practicing for when we're dads. This is what that is. It's practice, truly. All right, guys, have a safe day. Cheers, y'all.